0: I'm proud to say that this video is brought to you by www.ridge.com slash broken silicon a sponsor that offers wallets with over 30 sleek designs and most importantly intelligent design this wallet size matches how big or how small your life is and of course Don't forget that they also make laptop bags. I have the commuter backpack myself, and its overall ruggedness and usability really did impress me. Make sure you use the offer code BROKENSILICON and the link in the description so they know my dog sent you. And it is also brought to you by CDKOffers.com, offer code DieShrink for 3% off everything on the website, and BROKENSILICON for 25% off all Windows codes. All right, on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. Top 10 podcasts for technology in Trinidad and Tobago. Sorry, um, guys. They're still just dominating. So, like, I actually had someone, I think, from Slovenia email me, like, give us a shout-out. No, you'll get a shout-out when you get in the top, your country to the top 20. It's just how this works. It's either... I will.
1: I will say I'm you not introduced
0: to you yet, by the way, whoever this Sorry. voice is talking right now. But... Uh, You get a shout out if you're one of the countries that's ranking the highest, relatively speaking. This is per capita. This is fair. Or if you're a country that just moves up like 100 spots or something our charts for the first time, which this past month, Mexico has been charting pretty reliably now. Not that high, but they weren't charting before. So they get a shout out. Those are the rules, you Slovenians. Okay? I want to hear any of this bickering. You gotta get it. And South Africa's pulling their weight. That's why they get shout-outs now too. And I, I, some of you guys. I mean, I, I have my co-host here. I'll let him introduce himself and comment now.
2: Uh, hi there. I'm Dana. Uh, as you so rudely interrupted me. Um, I would argue
0: you interrupted me actually because you were not introduced yet. For, for as the record, I
2: you so rudely interrupted me after I interrupted you. All right. I just wanted to interject that. I don't even remember what I wanted to interject at this point. It was something about, oh, how you basically gave Slovenia a shot out by mentioning them. So I just yeah, thought you so. should know. You
0: basically you basically did it anyways. But Yeah, I guess they win this time. <laughs> a historically <laughs> sneaky punch. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But that definitely came off weird. Anyways, <laughs> let us start off with the important... Questions. Dale Hunter writes in and says, If you Thanos snapped all the meme formats but one out of existence, which meme format is the one you would leave the one to rule them all? Dan, I'm going to give this to you because every now and then you just send me these bizarre memes that you post on Reddit when you're bored. I think you're a fan of the Drake memes. I don't know, Dan. What is your favorite type of meme?
2: Oh, Oh, I don't know. They're usually the really bizarre, abstract ones that I that I'm into because I am on the cusp of the Gen Z millennial, so I have to be a a weird abstract person with my comedy. You get a lot of highly upvoted posts on me IRL. I've noticed. Yeah, I've gotten a few of those. Uh, those do, those do well. I mean, I don't think I could choose one if I'm being honest. There's there's a lot of good ones, and the the point of memes is they they need to be diverse. And when they're not, like they were in 2012, they're just not very funny. So I'm gonna say. I would definitely pick to Thanos snap the Thanos snap meme out of existence. So I don't have to answer this question.
0: But okay. (laughs) I mean, you know what? I'll, I'll say it. I think the best meme is the one with the crummy boyfriend looking at the girl walking by. That's, I mean, I can't help it. That one's a classic. It's so absurd and forced that stock photo and it applies to almost anything. It's so useful. Yeah, that's
2: a really good one. There's an entire like stock photo set with that, those three on. Okay. <laughs> and they're absolutely ridiculous. And they're all jealous boyfriend
0: slash girlfriend stock photos. Neverending Drums writes in and says if Sienna Chicklid or Navy Flounder doesn't beat the 3070, then has Dan killed too many big fish? You've killed any big fish, have you? I, I would argue I kill small fish mostly. So I reject your question. <laughs> yeah. Get the hell out of here. Aiden yeah. FS writes in and says, really important question, Tom. Would you rather replace your 3950X with a two-core four-thread Athlon 3000G or replace your RAM with a single four-gigabyte stick of 2133 megahertz? Um, I would, I would take the four-thread with keeping my ultra-fast 16 gigabytes of RAM, honestly. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that that when you like, if it was eight gigabytes, I guess I keep the eight gigabytes in the sixteen core. But if you go down to four gigabytes of slow RAM, I actually think that my sixteen gigabytes of dual channel would be more important than sixteen threads. I mean, uh, thirty two. I mean, threads.
2: look at your look at RAM usage. You're pretty much always at like three point five gigs now. <laughs> so right now I'm at nine gigabytes. Yeah, I know. I have I'm a bazillion saying...
0: things open while we do this.
2: Like light, light workloads. like Chrome, Well, Chrome really isn't that light of a workload, really I guess. Anymore. But it, it, it's like
0: that even uses four gigs. Eight Eight is the minimum now, I would say. Pretty much. And I mean, like if I look at my CPU usage, like even right now, switching between a bunch of tabs, recording, sending stuff, you know, uploading stuff at the same time, it spikes. But most of the time, the CPU usage is below 10%. So I'm pretty sure I would be better off with just four threads, although I would be very sad to not be a sixteen-core boy anymore. That would be sad. You're not. You're an eight-core peasant like those conslos. Wow. I am a conslo. Yeah. So. All right. Well, then we agree. Tragaholic writes in and he says, "Hi Tom, my friend recently put together a new computer. He paid full price for Windows without your offer code cdkoffers.com <laughs> and got a 2080 Super Duper." Can you call him a double forehead for me? Uh, I can't because you didn't give me his name. If you would have given me his name, I would have called him a triple forehead. But Ooh. I mean, yeah, uh, we'll just say Tragaholic's friend. I mean, look, I people build when they've got to build. The whole Windows thing is, I don't know what his budget really is or how much extra money he has. Maybe he doesn't really care, but I don't know. Yeah, 2080 Super right now is... I, I not don't, good. Not a good. <laughs> I, honestly, not a good choice. I think I, I'm in the same camp. I think I've been in for months of just like, look, if you have to build now, and, and, unless there's a specific reason, I think you just get like a used Vega 56 for 200 or less. I guess I don't know. Maybe their prices are a little higher now. I wouldn't be surprised if they were. Um, and then you just slum it till you know prices stabilize late this year or early next year. I I really highly recommend that to anyone who's forcing themselves to build right now or most people will have a graphics card already so
2: yeah that's true and i will say you said to get a used vega 56 i mean i am really slumming it with my vega 56 just being able to play all games still with no issue
0: <laughs> yeah I and mean, we were talking about that the other night playing state of decay too um like what, what what settings do you play that game at for example
2: um, I mean, I play. Uh, I don't actually remember what settings I play that game at. I kind of just <laughs> went in and went with that game. It's.
0: I mean, I fine. do like high settings, eighteen hundred p, and it stays above hundred hertz with a Radeon Seven. So I'm assuming you can do four K sixty at medium, at least, Dan. Um, I mean,
2: yeah. I, I mean, it auto uh, applied ten eighty p, which I I'm going
0: to be honest, oh, yeah. I can't it play applied games. Applied seven twenty p to me for some bizarre reason, but. I can't
2: really play games on PC in 1080p anymore. It just looks too bad to me.
0: But so, yeah, I'm playing the game in 4K. But I mean, the, the, but the, that's the point, though, right? Yeah. Like, there's a, it's much harder to do 4K 120 than 4K 60. But if you do a mix yeah. of settings, honestly, again, there's going to be games where you definitely have to turn it down to 1440p. Definitely, oh yeah, there, there will be some games. But I think you would say more than half you can just run it 4K 60 at high, right? Yeah,
2: and if you're willing to sacrifice some settings, you can get most games to that.
0: So, yeah, and that's just, again, so we still think that if you're building now, just use your old card and wait for prices to stabilize, because right now is just, and I mean, now stock's drying up for Turing. Now is, like, literally the worst time to buy a GPU, in my opinion. Again, if you get, like, a Founders 3080 for 700, okay, but that's about <laughs> it, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. All righty, let us get to a couple corrections and omissions. So Daniel Vega Hyde writes in and says, Brett of UFD Tech is American. You said he was South African, but he only simply used to live in South Africa. But actually, I should have known that because his accent is very much so American. Yeah. (laughs) But then again, I mean, I don't know. I just remembered... When I used to watch some of his videos, which was a few years ago, I remember him being in South Africa. And then, of course, I know, you know, he moved back to America for his son and all of that. But um, I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I was wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was the one that had a big fundraiser for his son like a year ago, right? Late last year. yeah. Late last year. Uh, Stick Bug Syndicate writes in and says, you said in the September loose ends that you expect it'll be quite difficult to get Zen 3 this year. Using the 3080 shit show launch as a comparison point, what will it look like on release day for Zen 3? Better, worse, or similar in terms of availability? Oh, Way better. So I think there's this misconception between, when we're going to get into this pretty heavily in this episode, like what it means in, when someone says available, you know, exceeding demand. These are all different, you know, avail, uh, how much stock there is, how much availability there is, is not the same as like not meeting demand, right? Like if well, you...
2: No piece of electronic meets demand.
0: <laughs> Pretty much these days. <laughs> That's just a days. rule. You know, and so I said there, w- I didn't say there would be low availability. I said a lot of people are going to want Zen 3 and it's launching a bit later than I, th- I think most people expected. I thought it would launch before November. It's launching early November. And I think the 16 core launch is mid to late November based on what I'm told. So, yeah, I mean, well, I don't have concrete numbers like I did for Ampere. Um, which turned out to be entirely correct. But uh, what I can say is I have zero indications from anyone I've talked to that Zen 3 will have low availability. But I know that, I mean, this is going to be the best gaming processor. And uh, a lot of them are priced lower than Intel counterparts. So people are going to want them. It's the best of the best. So people are going to buy these up. Any top-of-the-line electronics sells out. Yeah, it's going to
2: sell out day one. Like. I mean, maybe if you wake up early and try to get
0: one, you'll be able to get one. That wouldn't surprise me, but... Yeah, it's not going to be like Ampere where there's literally nothing there.
2: Where there isn't a window of time you can actually buy it, basically. (laughs) Like,
0: quite literally (laughs) on the founder's website you couldn't have gotten. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I guess let's just get into it. We have to start with only one story first. It couldn't have been any other one. The AMD Where Gaming Begins... Zen 3 reveal press event on October 8th. So, anyways, a little write-up here. On October 8th, Lisa Su took the virtual stage with more confidence than Jensen post-jacket shopping, and it was for good reason. Zen 3 was unveiled, and as expected by yours truly, it is not just a quote-unquote minor uplift, as some suspected. Zen 3 brings substantial, substantial performance increases over Zen 2, but also increases in price. In summary, the lineup announced as of now is the 16-core 5950X boosting to 4.9 gigahertz with the same 105-watt TDP as the 3950X it replaces, but this time for $50 more at $799 instead of $749. The 5900X, the 12-core that boosts to 4.8 gigahertz, is 105-watt TDP again at $549. Again, $50 price increase, 5800X, 4.7 gigahertz boost clock, 8 cores, 105-watt TDP, $449, again, $50 more than the 3800X at launch. And then the 5600X, 4.6 gigahertz, 6 cores, 65-watt TDP, and 299 launch price again. $50 price increase, effectively, from when the 3600X launched. It must be pointed out that these price increases come on the back of performance increases of over 30% in mini games, up to 50% in League of Legends. I think it was over 40% in CSGO uh, over Zen 2, and even some massive non-gaming increases of up to 59% in V-Ray, as an example. To be fair, the average gaming increase seems to be 20-25%, to but it is really worth pointing out how large of an increase in single-core performance this is, considering it's just on TSMC's N7P node, not UV. Finally, it must be pointed out that coolers are not included with anything above the 5600X, and no 5700X was shown, and additionally, the X570 will remain the flagship platform still with some rumors swirling that X670 could still exist, but will be saved for a Zen 3 Plus launch next year, potentially on 5 nanometer. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know, Dan. We we did a die shrink where we did the immediate reactions. We got just buckets of reader mails for that that we went through over the course of about 45 minutes. So patrons, you know, at the $2 or higher level, you got that on Friday. But now we've had some time to digest it and think about it. I mean... Especially with you, Dan, because you really didn't have much time to think about it before that recording. I mean, what what are your thoughts now, now that Zen three has been announced? Looking at the performance numbers, you've you've had a whole weekend to contemplate.
2: Um, I mean, I don't know. They, I know people are mad about the fifty dollar price increase. Some people are mad. I shouldn't act like everyone is. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, I think it's safe to say that AMD is now the market leader in in uh, CPUs. They have arguably two cpus for consumers that are stronger than intel's best offering like undeniably really at this point it's better in gaming it's better multi-threaded it's better single threaded for single threaded tasks i don't really know what intel has to offer at this point yeah that's my main summary i I guess
0: yeah i i think you know and i got into a discussion you know, Last night, we were actually playing Save the Decay 2 with a couple of friends, and, and someone was saying, one of our friends was saying how he didn't understand why you would get Zen 3 for this price when you can get a last-gen processor. And I said, when has that ever not been true with Zen? Dan, you bought a 2700X for $150 last year, and I was recommending mostly last year to not get Zen 2 unless you want the best of the best. Or a specific high refresh rate gaming for a reasonable price. Like I said, look, at $150, the 2700X is what less than half the price of the 3700X. And it's, you know, and it actually is almost as good as the 3600X in gaming, which was also $100 more. I don't see how this is any different this year. Like if you're complaining about Zen 3's prices, then get Zen 2. Zen 2 doesn't vanish. Thanos does not snap this away, Dan. I mean, yeah, that's the kind of the thing we've been talking about for a while is they
2: seem to be starting their product stacks at the mid-range, and then their older products just start to occupy the lower mid-end and the low-end of CPUs. And there's no reason for them to release anything below the 5700X, in my opinion, at this point, because there's just not that great of a place for it. Just buy Zen 2 or hell, even Zen
0: Plus. And there's a lot of people pointing out that there's no 3,700X, which would presumably be like 350 or something. You know, why isn't that out? And it's like, well, because at 350, I'm pretty sure that's about where the 3,900X is gravitating towards. And they still have those loaded up on Amazon and in stores. So they're like, yeah, if you want something better than the, you know, arguably better than the... Uh, 3600X, we've got these last-gen 8 cores and 12 cores for less money than our new 8 core. Get that. But if you want the best gaming processor in the world, and and I looked at some numbers closely, I'm sorry, the 5800X and 5900X all seem to be like about the same gaming performance. Then they're going to charge almost the price of the previous best gaming CPU, which was the 10900K. Except they're charging like $100 less than Intel.
2: Yeah, so there. That's the other thing that I saw mentioned a lot was the 5700 X's mixing. I mean, I guess they could still release one, but I don't know where they would put the, what they would want to price that at at this point because I feel like if you price it at 350, it kind of gets rid of the purpose of the 5600 X. If you price it at 400, it kind of the 5800 like sales 379
0: drop a lot. is what they would do. Place it exactly in between them. Like, yeah, or so, you know what they're probably oh. God, you know what they're doing? 5,800G. Oh, yeah. That's Saison true. Saison that be... will be Zen 3 based. I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing them, And they will say this yeah. is a monolithic 8-core with Zen 3. This is an excellent gaming processor with integrated graphics. Doesn't clock as high, though. Has less cache. So we're going to put this, and it's cheaper for us to make than the 5,800X. So we're going to put this at like 350
2: And that does make me think of another thing. Like... What if they're just binning well enough where they don't really need to release a downclocked (laughs) 8-core? I don't know.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's a highly efficient process. I mean, that's true that this is an incredibly mature process. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd say that they just... The way I look at it is it doesn't really matter. Uh, Will they eventually have a 5700X or now that I think about it, 5700G? Yeah, there's a 4700G. Cezanne should launch within... Four or five months, that's probably what's going to fill that role. and It'll be cheaper to make than the 5800X. Like the fact is, no matter what they decide to place in that gulf between the 5600X and the 5800X, they don't need to place it now. So yeah, that's, true. that's the answer. No matter they, and I think as we're discussing again, whether 5800G or 5700X doesn't matter. They got time to decide depending on how Intel responds.
2: I mean, yeah, it, it, they command the low end and the high end at this point. So there's nothing, there's there's no real threat from Intel except for outside perception that they're still the better, that they're still making the better products by some people.
0: Well, and so I guess the other thing is I I, I kind of wanted to do a video the day we're recording this about Zen 3, but I'm not sure what to say because I was like putting together some notes and looking at some prices and you know, summarizing my thoughts. And it's like, I feel like I'm just going to say the same thing I said about Zen two. And I don't know if it's worth making that video again, unless that's my point, <laughs> you know, cause I feel like when Zen two was announced, all these people were complaining that the 12 core was $500 despite Intel literally not, and still not having a consumer 12 core despite yeah. Intel charging double the price of AMD. AMD wants to charge $500 And everyone complained about Zen too. And then it was, and again, it's just the same thing I'm saying now. It's like, okay, well then buy Zen Plus for less money or tell Intel to stop charging more than AMD. Because again, if you look at the 5800X, it beats the 10700K. I mean, we need to wait for third-party benchmarks, I guess, but I'm going to be honest. I really don't see AMD lying here, Um, (laughs) you know. And when I looked at tech power-up benchmarks of the 10700K eight-core versus the uh, 10900K 10-core, they performed exactly the same in games, at least as of a few months ago. So when I look at that and I see the 5800X beating the 10700K, well, then it's going to beat the 10900K and it's going to cost $50 to $100 less while using less energy while being on a better platform. So again, if you're complaining about price, you're complaining that AMD is launching a cheaper CPU than Intel that's more efficient and stronger.
2: Yeah, they're they're cheaper, more efficient, stronger. There there's no, it's an absurd argument at this point. You can't point to anything.
0: It just it's like it's better in so many ways, and it's and the 5800x is cheaper than the 10900K. Uh, the 10900K doesn't come with a cooler. The 10900K is going for like 600 on Newegg right now. Yeah. What are we talking about? At a certain point, I feel like it's almost like you're speaking some alien language. Like It's like AMD charged too much relative to what? It's It's relative to what the competition's charging. The competition's charging more.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I guess with the release of Zen 2, you could still point to like, well, Intel still technically has the gaming crown. And we are mostly talking about gaming markets and people only for some reason seem to factor that into when they're building a PC. But now that's gone too. It, the the lead in every way is gone for Intel,
0: and yeah, this is what happens. A fifty percent performance increase in League of Legends over Zen two, like it's it's over. You know, and there's I saw multiple professional apps with double digit to high double digit performance gains. It's not just for gamers. Professionals will buy these too. Yeah. So I guess I don't want to beat the pricing dead horse too much, but that's mostly what there is to talk a- about. You know, it the performance is really above 20% increase in gaming. A- and the edge cases that yeah, and it and it is funny how the games they were losing at the most got the biggest boost as expected, mm-hmm. like over 30% in like half like multiple games, over 30% performance increase. It's just insane. Um so the performance is there. The pricing is fair relative to Intel. The only other thing to talk about is again, I'm not sure if I should do a video on it or not, but um, I don't really know what Intel can even do because I don't, I'm not sure I see this argument of Intel becoming the budget option. Because if I look at pricing right now, here's what I got from today. I, I put down some notes 10,700K i7, 380, 3,700X, 3, 300 i5 10600K 275 still doesn't come with a cooler despite it being the i5 2700X 220 3600X 210 like the uh non K 10400 i5 that's 180 and then you have the six core 12 thread 2600 for 150 the i3s are a complete joke so I'm not and I think presumably Zen 2 prices will go down further this fall I don't see how Intel can be a budget option. What I'm seeing happening is AMD or AMD. If you want the budget chip, you get Zen Plus or Zen 2. If you want the best, you get Zen 3. And Intel's in the middle, but Intel's on a worse platform.
2: And I guess the only thing I could say is I would need to look at the benchmarks when they come out is maybe there's a still kind of a market for like the middle high end, like that ten seven hundred k
0: might still have a reason to buy over some AMD products, but I'm not sure. It would have to be. It doesn't have PCIe 4.0. It'd have to be like 250, and it it requires more expensive cooling. That's what people are forgetting. Yes, yeah, that's true. the The 5800X doesn't come with a cooler. Thirty. The 5600X still does, and that'll probably be pretty close to that 10700K. And if it loses to it, well, it comes with a cooler. And so I don't know. I think the 10700K needs to be 250 to make sense. And and there will be like a $200 3,600 X or $150 3,600 X soon. Probably. I think it has been that cheap before. I think prices are actually up a little bit right now relative to where they were a couple months ago, to be honest, guys. I mean, yeah. So we talk about the price beating the
2: pricing de- price dead horse, but it's like, that's really the most I can add my commentary about because like everything else, it's just like, this is a good performance uplift for, from what they previously had. And yeah, you're right. There might still be a place for the 10, k kind of, but I don't know why you wouldn't just go for a 5,600X instead or just spend a little more money. Well, you would probably be spending 150 more dollars on your system and get a 5,800X. Uh,
0: yeah, and um, I guess the only other thing I would say, I'm trying to think, you know, is to the people that said, well, you know, I got Zen 1 and I was waiting for Zen 3, but this is more expensive. And it's like, Kind of. I mean, AMD was selling their 1800X. But let's be clear. The 1800X was an 8-core that cost $500 at launch three years ago. The new 8-core is $450. And it's got, what, like 50% higher IPC total than the 1800X? <laughs> right? In games yeah. at least. So it's like, all right, so if you got an 1800X for 500 and 2017, and then waited three years. There's a new eight core out for less money than you paid. That's 50 percent better. Yeah, like that's not that's certainly better than anything Intel's been doing year over year. I mean, this is a full generational uplift. Doesn't increase core counts like bef- you know Zen two did, but it certainly it brings a much larger single threaded performance lift than the previous gen you know Zen two brought. Again, I I really think this is directly comparable to Sandy Bridge.
2: And I'll say, I think the single thread performance uplift is like less sexy, quote unquote, than a a core (laughs) increase. But single threaded is where they were deficient. That is what they needed to fix on Zen.
1: Yeah.
0: And the last thing I wanted to say, though, is again, if you're that person who bought the 1800X for $500 in 2017 and you're mad, the eight core is now less than what you paid three years ago <laughs> again it sounds ridiculous to be complain about the price or the 12 core is 550 so what now you got to pay 50 dollars for 50 percent more cores and 50 percent higher ipc basically you're getting double the processor in three years for 50 more dollars like all i would say is you don't need to get it now you can wait till early next year and prices will have gone down by then especially by the time rocket Lake comes out and guess what you don't need to necessarily switch platforms if you have am4 and the proper high-end motherboard You know, that's, of course, a mixed bag there, too. But um, I guess that's what I would say as well, is that I I think that the only people mad are the people that were like, oh, I was really hoping they would launch a six-core Zen 3 for 200 hertz gaming for $200. and Then I was going to upgrade from my 1600 to that or something. And it's like, is that six-core 1600 still working well? You can wait until prices go down. Prices, Zen processors go down in price. And they... and I think that's going to keep happening for a while, Gen over Gen. So you can just wait. Like you, Dan, you have a 2700X. I think your plan is to wait until mid-next year and see if Zen 2 or Zen 3 gets really, really dirt cheap and then just get that.
2: I mean, yeah, honestly, I would say, based, based on what I've seen, I, I think I would rather just get Zen 3 over Zen 2, personally. Uh, it's, I think what it brings is worth, even if I have to pay a little bit more money, or if I have to wait a little longer, I think I would pick Zen 3 over Zen 2. But yeah, it, just wait. I mean, if you're a person that's getting like a 1600X or whatever, and you're waiting three or four years to upgrade, I don't think you're the person that buys the high-end product on day one, typically. So I don't know what you have to complain about.
0: Yeah, well, let's get to some of this reader mail here before the second story. Sneaky Rafiki writes in, and he mm-hmm. says, Hi, Tom, what do you think AMD has planned for future Zen three products? For example, a 5700X with two cores, oh, two times four core CCXs and lower clocks. No, I think they'll use one CCD. Uh, a 5500X with two times three. If true, would you expect to see much performance difference? I mean, I think I think it's pretty clear what's going to happen is there will be probably a 5700G That launches for like 350 and then a 5700X for like 380. That's like slightly better. Maybe comes with a cooler though. Or I don't know, right? Uh, Maybe they they might just go 5700G. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, damn. No, no, I'm not. I don't think anything you're saying is crazy. But, But... I guess one thing I'll say is, I don't know that there will be a 5600 non-X. There could be. There absolutely could be. Like, And there's a decent chance there is. But I think specifically with that one, even more than this hypothetical 5700G, it makes sense for them to just put a 5600G for like 200 bucks with integrated graphics when Cezanne launches.
2: I mean, yeah. That or would, Lucian, uh, you know, I don't
0: know. That I mean, that could sell really well, so... Yeah, <laughs> So, I mean, in terms of what I see coming out, I think, look at the Zen 2 lineup, almost exactly the same as that. Um, and I think they're just going to wait to see if Intel does any Comet Lake price drops and how they're going to position Rocket Lake. Because, I mean, again, from what I'm hearing, Rocket Lake's probably going to just stop at an I-7. And I don't know what they'll price it at, but they have no reason to really respond until they get rid of Zen 2 stock. And what you're going to see is just almost exactly the line of Zen 2 had, except now it's 20 to 30% better depending on what apps you're using. And there will probably finally be some decent do-it-yourself Saison APUs too. Mm -hmm. Sonos writes in and says, Hi, Tom. First of all, just want to say thank you so much for all the amazing videos and podcasts. They've been a much-needed relief from my usual political podcast rotation, (laughs) which has proven to be much more mentally draining than usual this year. Yeah, we we know. On to my question. I'm considering Threadripper for a new build for productivity and as a dedicated streaming PC. Possibly for 4K 60 plus game streaming down the road. But I'm not exactly in a rush to build this. I'm wondering, have you heard anything about Zen 3 Threadripper? Is this happening? And if so, what do you expect? When do you expect it to arrive? And what can we expect from it? Features and performance lives? I mean, yeah. So I haven't heard anything about Zen 3 Threadripper. Well, ex- well I should say, I haven't really looked into it at all. <laughs> you know, um, What I will say is that I don't expect any Zen 3 Threadripper this year. And I think when it would come out would be quarter one or quarter two next year. Its competition was going to be Ice Lake X. But now I've got one of my most reliable sources saying that that's canceled. And so I plan to do a few Intel videos over the next couple of months. For those wondering, too, why I haven't really kept up on Intel stuff. It's like, if you look at my channel, like the first entire quarter of 2020, I was like, mostly Intel videos. Remember, Dan? All those Tiger mm-hmm. like Alder Lake leaks, all of that stuff. So, you know, I've kind of taken a break from Intel, but I'll get back to it. But for now, I think Ice Lake X is canceled. And so that means AMD is just going to be competing with the HEDT lineup from Intel they've already been crushing. And so I don't think there's any need to launch any Zen 3 Threadripper. I mean, I anytime mean,
2: soon, right? Especially considering most of the gains come from like single threaded tasks. So, like you, that's the consumer market is where you would be most focused on. So, I, I'm curious if Threadripper for Zen 3 is even necessary. Like, Zen 2 sounds like it will be fine to just keep kicking for the foreseeable
0: future. The, now, what I would expect out of Zen 3 Threadripper is kind of this narrative I keep trying to tell about Threadripper is with every generation, they clearly are closer in gaming performance to their consumer platform than they were the previous gen. So Zen 1 Threadripper was worse at gaming than Zen 1 AM4, for sure. Like, undoubtedly 20% worse. It actually caught up as more driver updates came out and BIOS updates a bit, so that's worth pointing out. But there was no doubt that the summary of Zen 1 Threadripper was it games at 60 hertz, but really don't get this for high refresh and yeah, then Zen true. Zen plus comes out and it because of the latency tweaks it helped threadripper zen plus far more in gaming than it did AM4 Zen plus like AM4 Zen plus was like 10% better at gaming uh Zen plus threadripper you know what the 2000 series thread rippers were 15% 20% better almost you know only a little bit behind Zen Plus on AM4, maybe 10% behind instead of 20 now, maybe even 5%. And then Zen 2 Threadripper because of how the IO die works in this and it not having that kind of like, you know, you know, what was it? I forgot. It starts with a U. Um, that way that the uh, four chiplets on the original Threadrippers mm-hmm. communicated. It was far more effective in Zen 2 Threadripper. And, and in fact, the gaming performance was almost the same as Zen 2 AM4,
2: right? I mean, yeah, it didn't really There were some the- games that even won. Yeah, it didn't really drop at all if I'm remembering the benchmarks correctly. But because it has
0: like 24 or more cores to choose from, they could at least yeah. get eight of those to clock as fast as the ones on AM4. And the IO die meant that it much more effectively distributed the threads in gaming. So, and that I, I expect Zen 3 Thread Ripper to game exactly as well as yeah. AM4 gaming, if not exceed it, because maybe they have more cores to choose from that are boosting higher. So that's the one thing I would say is that I really think Zen 3 Threadripper is going to be just an absolute monster, more so than any other one we've ever seen. Like just so definitively the best CPUs you can get, despite being an HEDT platform.
2: Um, I mean, I guess that's a good argument for it, but I, that is still also, I feel like, a relatively edge case scenario where you're getting Threadripper to game and you also need Threadripper. I feel like if you're doing that, most people that would be doing that want to see the bigger number more than anything. The bigger number, of cores, I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're getting it for gaming, but I just remember how it was actually kind of a debate with Zen 1 and Zen Plus if you did gaming, especially if you wanted that 32 core Zen Plus where it was like, eh. Yeah, that's true. Like there was a real question there. But anyways, let us move on to story number two, finally. and. This is the Big Navi reveal on that AMD October 8th presentation. I have a little write-up for this, too. While the Zen 3 reveal was exciting, arguably the most talked-about part of AMD's October 8th presentation was actually the last five minutes Big Navi was revealed. Not just a teaser, a few benchmarks demonstrated that at least one of the top Navi 21 cards, trays Blow's, with an RTX 3080. And it is Moore's Law's Dead's opinion that this was was not the very top card. In fact, Scott Herkelman literally confirmed to PC Gamer that this wasn't necessarily the top card. I don't know why you would point that out to them if it is the top card. (laughs) Uh, People would be good to remember that Moore's Law's Dead confirmed AMD was deciding to go all out a week or two before this presentation. A direct quote was, All Out, Big Navi would not be ready for this show. Something at least a little better is coming, and this was close to the 3080. So to be clear, what was shown on October 8th from Team Radeon was 21 to 29% better than the 2080 Ti. This does seem to be up for debate. I know some people are doubling down on 21% better, and some people are saying it's better. I think I'm not entirely sure that we know 100% what the settings were on some of these games. I'm not actually Mm -hmm. sure I agree with some of the claims being made. But either way, this is not close to a 3070. Big Navi was never going to be a 3070 competitor, despite AIB's mean misled to believe it would be and misleading other tech tubers. <laughs> so, what did you? Oh, and I guess I also threw in your RDNA tool support AV1 codec. So, I know a lot of people actually have been asking me that. So, let me throw that in at the end. But I mean, <laughs> what did you
2: think of the Big Navi reveal, Dan? Once again, there's, uh, we've talked about this. There's not too much to go on right, right now. There's three benchmarks that give us an indicator that it's probably pretty damn close to a 3080. And as you say, Scott Herkelman said this publicly, then um, this might not be, which, as you said, why would they say this might not be the top GPU unless there's one above it? So what we know as of right now is they're probably going to release a GPU that is slightly stronger than a 3080 in between the 3080 and 3090 in performance. They could be. They could be. They could be. Sorry. So that's exciting. I mean, regardless, this means that they're competitive, that they at least trade blows with uh, NVIDIA's flagship card, as they call it. And it has more RAM. Like, I I don't know what else to say other than that. Like, yeah, AMD is completely competitive against NVIDIA, again, I would say.
0: Right. And, And this is something that I guess there's two things to say here. When I look at my number crunching for what I believe top specs are and cut down specs for Navi 21, I really do think what they showed was some version of what something around what the top card was going to be. That's what they showed, right? Because I expected the top card, If again, if you look at my RDNA 2 leak, I wasn't one of the people saying it's a 37 competitor. I wasn't one of the people saying it's a 3090 competitor. Based on direct conversations with people at AMD and people connected to other people at AMD, the consensus was this is going to give the 3080 trouble. But the wording it that way, and you know, talking to, I literally talked to someone high up on AMD and they said, we're not sure we're going to win at everything. That tells me they don't intend to crush the 3090. And I I see so many people in my Discord spinning these, (laughs) I'm going to be honest, fucking absurd theories about this thing being like 60% stronger. Than like a 2080 Ti, which is nowhere near any performance numbers I've ever seen, even as far as a year ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like this was always meant to be something a little bit close to a 3080. And then once they saw the 30 how close the 3090 was to the 3080, they said, well, maybe we release the very top die with the fastest RAM we can get and see if it beats it in 1440p. That's basically my opinion. But like I said to you in the die shrink, you know. I think there was the the question, like, you know, if there's two camps, the AM Delusionals and then the, I I don't under, honestly, what no, the people who are fucking ridiculous and for some reason think AMD can't beat a 2080 Ti with a superior <laughs> node and a card twice as big as a 5700 XT. <laughs> I was in neither of those camps, but if you make me pick a camp to be in, I do pick AM Delusional camp because there's no way this thing isn't going to destroy the 2080 Ti by double digits high double well not high sorry not high double digits yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know so I, I guess that's what i'm saying is i can't say for sure top performance and i say that because i know amd isn't sure yet i bet they're sure actually right about when this podcast is coming out but the the reason that i really think the top, they couldn't have shown the top card is if they decided to go all out a week or two before the presentation the top card samples wouldn't be done like they were deciding to if they were going to buy 18 gigabit per second memory or not which i still don't have confirmation if they bought it right yeah. but i would assume they have at this point you know so they couldn't have shown the top card and scott herkelman so it's like again i get I, I sound kind of a little all over the place but what i'm trying to get across is AMD's going to compete with the 3080 and i believe they will have a better performance scaling in 1440p than NVIDIA. It's a 256 bit bus that was meant to be efficient. And they're realizing they may be able to crush NVIDIA's 400 watt joke card. <laughs> so they're pushing the top card. But that doesn't mean it's going to beat the Titan by 10, 20% or something ridiculous, guys. I
2: mean, yeah. And like we've been, dis- I feel like we've been discussing for a long time now, like this level of performance, that's one of the most likely scenarios is that it trades blows with and it's technically a little bit weaker than the 3080 but I would definitely call it more of
0: a 3080 competitor than a 3070 competitor. What we know is AMD will offer greater efficiency, more memory, probably a better price, and roughly the same performance. And I just don't know how to get this across to people that being unimpressed with Ampere doesn't mean they're going to beat it by raw performance. AMD wasn't impressed with um, whatever the GTX 200 series was. AMD wasn't impressed with that. They didn't beat the 280 in performance, guys, but they offered a better card. It's possible to have a better card without it outright beating its competition in performance if it's better than the other one and literally everything else. Reliability, availability, price, efficiency, VRAM. If you beat them at all five things, if it's 5% weaker, that's why AMD is unimpressed because they can't believe this card is better in every other way and it's this close. And you have six gigabytes more VRAM
2: if you're keeping this card for two or three years, it might be better than what I- Nvidia's offering two, three years from now.
0: Yeah, I guess the the wild card is we still don't know RDNA two IPC increase on average yeah, in these true. games. You know, long term, who knows? With driver updates, maybe it'll age incredibly well and become, you know, absurd IPC increases like GCN was over. Uh, I think it was terascale. Like, you know, that that that's yeah. that happened. But at launch, GCN's IPC wasn't crazy higher. You know, and 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 my most reliable sources I speak to, it really sounds like the IPC increase is closer to ten to fifteen percent than some of the claims I've heard of like thirty. But we still don't know for sure, right? Mm -hmm. And and so that's the only wild card I would say is if IPC increases over twenty percent, then yeah, I don't know, maybe AMD will just run the run run circles around Ampere, (laughs) and it's going to be hey, I always want the best products, which is the one thing I'll say, you know. And again, like, if they couldn't beat the 2080 Ti by, like, more than double, just barely double digits, like...
2: Uh, that would be bad. I mean, i give up on really Radeon.
0: Bad. Yeah. Like, like, then I would say they just shouldn't launch the top card because it would look so bad. Which is what they decided to do with RDNA 1.
2: Yeah, and that was probably a good decision that they didn't release a incredibly power-hungry card that barely beats its
0: competition. That doesn't beat try- its competition. That doesn't and beat its com- a, and you And you can only make two of them. For every 5,700X. Yeah. And most people I, will buy the 5,700X anyways.
2: I was trying to draw the comparison to Ampere, but the, po- the point is some people are in the camp that it's not dumb because it does maybe, maybe still just barely beat
0: uh, AMD's top card. In 4K. Even in though most 4K. People are in 1440p or lower. Yeah. Root Knight writes in and says, as shown by the Navi 6000 benchmark, that people are still quoting to say Navi can't touch the 3080. Do you have any idea why people are so utterly incapable of reading? You know, Root Knight. I don't. I what? Well, I do actually. Um, I wrote these notes here. I think what you're seeing from the people that think those benchmarks prove AMD can't compete are the people that either are complete idiots or hate people that want or that have been saying Big Navi will be good, like me, and not an Apple fan, like. And I've seen this before. There are some people that become TechTuber fanboys and then they'll hate on Adored or they'll hate on me or they'll hate on not an Apple fan and they'll root for a product to not be good so I'm wrong, which is just pathetic. And I think that's what you saw because the second that AMD presentation ended, a few comments showed up in my YouTube comments to the Navi leak saying, haha, you were wrong. And I'm like, I literally, it's literally exactly what I said it would be, guys. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and it's kind of hilarious. With leaks, you usually present them in a, that there's a range of possible outcomes. And I think what's going on is they say your top end assumption is what you're saying is going to happen.
0: And then you say, well, it didn't beat that. So you're wrong. (laughs) 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 I gotcha. Well, but the one on the PowerPoint I showed for my big Navi information literally said, we'll challenge the 3080 unlikely to outright beat the 3080 in 4K, at least the non-special edition version, but I can't even rule that out. There's a chance it could even do that. It's literally what I said, like not really winning in 4K, but it will probably in a couple games. Yeah, that's a good point. Sassy writes in and says, why would an AMD show off the performance of their top GPU if they need to steal NVIDIA's market share before Ampere stock stabilizes? Well, it's frankly, as far as I can tell, going to launch when Ampere is starting to stabilize in stock and it might not be stabilized. Honestly, when, it, when I talk about the um, NVIDIA's Ultimate Play thing where they like intentionally paper launched or, or arguably didn't launch the Founders Edition and said that was the price and then allowed AIBs to hike up the price and then also gave them uh, rebates so that they could keep low prices at launch and make it look like they tried to keep the prices down. Like, I, I think what's clear is that Nvidia's doing this in conjunction with Samsung's node doesn't work It's hard to say, because I have mixed reports on how good Samsung's Node is. Like What I know is NVIDIA's stockpiling a ton of components to build cards that aren't just the dies. So they Mm -hmm. clearly intend to make a bunch of them. But also, it does legitimately sound like the numbers they launched with on launch day were a bit below what I was told at first. I've been told by a couple of sources by now. So I think it's a combination of them knowing they wouldn't have a lot of stock on launch day. So they might as well pretend the price is low and try to, again, play like play it to their advantage. And it's just entirely backfired. Um, But yeah, so I guess that's what one thing I want to point out in regards to, you know, ampere stock stabilizing. I don't think it's going to be stabilized till the end of the year, um, but, and that'll be after big Navi's out. Mm -hmm. Um, But additionally, I think we've already covered the rest of your question though, Sassy. I mean, I think it's because they're not ready to show the top card yet. Tr- truly, I don't think they're ready to show it yet. Um, I think this is a somewhat last minute, but they planned for maybe a last minute change. That's why they waited so long to say anything. That's why no leaks have been coming out. They waited till the last minute because if they're gonna launch after Ampere, they want to make sure what they launch is perfectly positioned. Um, but uh and, and additionally, I think there's no reason to confirm they're beating Ampere yet. I think they want, I do think there's a little bit of that, you know. If we don't know top performance yet, let's just show what we can confirm and just not let them know we have something maybe 5 to 15% better than this.
2: I mean, yeah, regardless, what they showed off makes them look competitive. And if they have a, top, a die above
0: that or a card above that, well, even better for them. Yeah. Big Lamb writes in and says, Why is it people keep saying RDNA2 will have ray tracing performance that beats Turing but not Ampere? Didn't Ampere only get better RT performance due to the increase in Raw performance? Their cores don't seem to be optimized any better, except in specific use cases such as Minecraft and Doom. Should we be comparing RT performance on a per core basis based to how we compare CPUs with different core guns? I think per, per SM or per CU basis. Yeah, yeah. Um why do people keep saying that? Well, first of all, it's because that's what I'm told: that it's better than it's undoubtedly going to be better than Turing, but not necessarily as good as Ampere. And and again, I think that's just a direct quote. So take that to mean what you will. I take that to mean better than 2080 Ti ray tracing. Not necessarily per SM better, although probably slightly better. Additionally, Ampere's ray tracing performance is kind of up for debate still, as far as I can tell. It, at first, it seemed like it might be three times better. And then we saw benchmarks, and it seemed like, oh, maybe it's just raw performance. It's only... But it's not. It seems like it's like 20% better relative to rasterization increase. So I I think what we're expecting is per SM, per clock speed, for RDNA 2 to be better than Turing, but not necessarily quite hit Ampere. But like I keep saying, I'm not sure, and no one I talked to is 100% sure about this, and I wouldn't rule out that it could be more competitive with Ampere's ray tracing than we would expect.
2: I mean, and there's the added-in fact that we also don't, know 100% how AMD's ray tracing is going to work. So I don't know exactly what you compare it to with uh, NVIDIA's ray tracing.
0: Yeah, like We just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> Alright, story number three. AMD trademarks Infinity Cache. So I'm actually not going to read really much here uh, from the trademark. The, the fact is that this was a rumored term. I know Red Gaming Tech talked about this, although I don't really didn't watch any specific things about it and that's all i really know is that he said it and i think someone else did but um the fact is this was kind of a buzzword term being thrown around in rumor circles about how amd was going to you know quote unquote make do with just a 256-bit bus relative to ampere's 384-bit bus if they're going to compete with it in performance and red gaming Tech called it infinity cache i had my, different sources One source that showed references to some type of an Infinity fabric type thing. And then also I dug up other patents and analysis of an AMD patent about a restructuring of like L1 and L2 cache and also other references to large L3 and L4 caches. So I never had a name, right, called Infinity cache for my leak. And I was never sure if it was both a complete restructuring of L1 and L2 and a large L3 or L4 cache. Or if it was just the L1 and L2, and they were just really beefing those up. And so each CU would take up more space because of the L1 and L2 cache. But, you know, seeing Infinity Cache trademarked, I had one source say, you know, if it's just L1 and L2, Infinity Cache may just be a buzzword they're going to throw on it, whether it has L3 or L4, anyways. <laughs> um, which, but I mean, again, seeing this trademarked, I don't know. I, I mean, I think this tells you. Regardless, that there is definitely something going on with a, you know, again, quote unquote revolutionary cache system in RDNA2. And that's its ace in the hole into how it will compete with Ampere while using far less energy.
2: I mean, like you've been talking about for a while, there has to be something going on with the way the RDNA2 works for it to be able to compete with Ampere with a 256 bit bus. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if this confirms it. I think that gives a strong indicator that there's something going on with the cache in RDNA
0: 2. And more but. than just something. It, like They always do something with cache every architecture change, but that it's something big. Now, this is a major part of what makes RDNA 2 efficient and perform well in games. And they're probably going to be marketing it to you in a few weeks. <laughs> well, you know, if About. they manage to make a 256-bit card Compete with a three D four bit card that also is twenty percent larger die size. Then they should use throw some buzzwords on top of there. Yeah, that's true. But um, you know, this is uh, again, you know, I've I've been less confident about it because I didn't know specifics. But uh, like I said, other leakers have claimed to know specifics. I say claim because I don't have that info, so I'm not going to pretend I know for sure. Um, but what I do know is Mark Cerny specifically talked about some moving data closer where it needs to be that's references to cash and that multiple sources were referencing similar designs in the die to infinity fabric pulling from that and there are also all these cash patents from amd so i knew it was something with that and i don't know it's pretty exciting I, i think the only the last thing i want to say about it is just this is it's just very funny for me because I really, really, really think the people that for some reason thought RDNA2 was only going to be a 3070 competitor is because they got just stuck at this mental wall thinking 256 bus, bit bus, mid-range only. When AMD's launched multiple yeah. high-end 256-bit cards in the past, 6970, 5870, eight they're... Their best generations in terms of market share were flagship 256-bit devices.
2: That's true. And it's not like it's never happened before where you've seen a card, at least for a time, a 256-bit card beat a 384-bit card like Maxwell. It's six yeah, Maxwell
0: did that. <laughs> it's it's not unheard of. No. I think again, I just think RDNA2's underestimations come from people not understanding that it was a choice, a choice that AMD didn't make big Polaris, a choice that AMD didn't make big RDNA 1. It's not that they couldn't have been pretty close to NVIDIA the whole time. I think people forget that even going all the way back to, I mean, where do we start, right? Like the 290X was a smaller card than the 780 Ti. It used about the same amount of energy, but was cheaper to make. And it outperformed it, and then the Fury was the same. Uh, Again, people forget this. Fury is bigger than Big Navi, bigger. The Fury was Mm six hundred millimeters squared, same size as Big Maxwell, and it was roughly the same performance as Big Maxwell. You know, uh, Polaris was about a a little bigger than a ten sixty. You know, that's it. On an arguably inferior node than TSMC's sixteen nanometer, frankly. You know, and then that's it. Even Vega was within 20% of the 1080 Ti guys.
2: I mean, yeah. And I think that's the other big thing. And I'm not at all saying that, well, they were basically high-end this entire time. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. But people think that, act like there's a bigger gulf in performance between mid-range and the high-end than there actually is. Like, they were never some absurd distance away from competing in the high-end.
0: Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, I guess the last thing I'll say about this is this is something that I, I don't want to use the word struggle. That's a little too strong of a term, but like argued with a couple sources too. like, wait, no GDR six X. I was told there'd be next gen GDR six. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be faster than last gen, but it's not GDR six X. And it's like, Oh, and it's like, well, why do, you know, is this like people saying NVIDIA only has access to it and multiple sources? No, AMD can use gr 6 x if they want to, guys. You know, it, it's, they don't need it. And it's like, oh, so it's 3D yeah. 4-bit. No, they don't need it. And it's 256-bit. It's just, it is 256-bit. It is normal GDR6. It will compete with the 3080. Get it through that yeah. head.
2: <laughs> it's happened before. And it will happen again. This isn't impossible.
0: Yeah, and I mean, honestly, like, is it all that surprising that they're doing it now? Now, AMD has money. Now they can afford to put extra resources into R and D, and they've just made a lot of big gains in cash management with Zen. Is it really that surprising they may apply some of the things they learned from Zen to RDNA two? And that the first thing they might apply is cash—a large thing, you know, chunk of cash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh no, it's not surprising. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I keep saying the last thing I'll say. The other last thing I'll say is when I put together a hypothetical die size with ADCUs and a large section of cash, the number I came to was between five thirty and five fifty millimeters squared. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Cortex just confirmed. So <laughs> it has a large section of cash, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I don't know. I think that 505 millimeter squared die size, if that was true, was a rejected version with less or no L3 cache or whatever. Mm -hmm. Kiro Amar Salas writes in and says, I was creeping through the AMD adaptive cache reconfiguration via clustering patent and noticed the following curious line. Additionally, although described herein in the context of CU clustering at GPUs, those skilled in the art will recognize that in other embodiments, the CU clustering may be performed with CPU cores and the like without departing from the scope of this disclosure. Has there been any information to show what may be expected of AMD Zen 3 RDNA APUs? This line I just read sounds like a feature targeted to consoles due to being in APUs. I imagine this would be play very nicely with their APUs for regular users for several reasons. Um, I mean, I would just say all of these patents in cache management are going to apply to CPUs, GPUs, and APUs because it's applying to both of them. You know, I think that's just my simple answer.
2: I mean, yeah, and this clear... Uh- I can't speak to what this entire patent says because I haven't read it, but uh, this clearly indicates that this patent doesn't strictly define its use for just GPUs and it can be expanded to other things. So, I mean, yeah, that is like literally what it says. Yeah, so
0: it's like, are they talking about APUs? I think they're talking about all of their products. That's what's going on. And is, you know, what's shown in this patent inside one of the consoles Probably, guys. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> um, Warlock writes in, and he says, Hi, do you think that there's possibility of release of RDNA 3 and Hopper, a gaming variant, I mean, in quarter four next year, like or quarter one 2022? I think maybe RDNA 3 could be paper-launched at the end of 2022. Uh, Hopper, though, I'm unsure of. And I'm not saying that in terms of, like, I don't think they're able to. I've just heard literally entirely different things. I've heard you know, about NVIDIA possibly making Ampere of more of a temporary generation than people expect and Hopper coming out like quarter three next year. And then I've also heard that Hopper is nowhere near ready anytime soon. So Hopper I'm unsure of, despite knowing a little bit about it. And RDNA 3, look, if AMD says it's coming out at the end of 2021, it's probably when it's coming out. Has AMD failed to execute on the roadmap Ever lately, I mean, I'd say the latest that's probably coming out is quarter one, 2022. And I really do see RDNA 2 as a stepping stone to RDNA 3 when you look at before they move to chiplets in an IO die for graphics cards, they need to get better at bandwidth management. And that's what RDNA 2 does. So I really see this as their stepping stone before they just kind of chipletize RDNA 2 and use mm-hmm. it in RDNA 3.
2: I just go back to my default assumptions. You gave a more in-depth thing, obviously, but like, yeah, quarter one, 2022.
0: Probably the most realistic number for Ampere. All right, story number four. AMD is in advanced talks to buy Xilinx. Hope I said that right. Um, and quoting from a couple of uh, sources, uh, Washington Street Journal and TechPowerUp, Advanced Micro Devices is in advanced talks to buy rival chipmaker Xilinx Inc. According to people familiar with the matter, in a deal that could be valued at more than 30 billion and mark the latest big tie-up in the rapidly consolidating semiconductor industry, Xilinx is valued at 26 billion. Although analysts estimate that AMD acquisition to go down at close to 30 billion, making it one of the largest tech acquisitions of the year after. NVIDIA's buyout of Arm uh, from SoftBank. An FPGA lineup would give AMD a near-complete portfolio of computing hardware IP, CPUs with x86 and Arm licenses, GPUs, GPU-based scalar compute processors, semi-custom SOCs, low-power media processors, and now, thanks to the new acquisition, FPGA.
2: I mean, first off, I'm still actually surprised amd has the money to buy a third acquire a 30 billion dollar
0: company but i mean yeah that shows you that they're finally getting this war chest we've talked about for so long that they need
2: yeah and the other thing i would say is this is a big fpga manufacturer so i'm actually not sure how much this will uh, go into technologies that we'll be using i mean maybe if they see fpgas being part of their future with computing but I, based on my understanding, that's used for mostly, like, networking and whatnot,
0: right? I mean, FPGAs are on the rise to be used in everything. At, at Hot Chips, they, every presentation okay. talked about them. Every. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, maybe we'll start seeing them in
2: <laughs> consumer hardware.
1: Gosh, does Windows 10 Professional have to be so expensive? Don't listen to that, nerd. Listen to me. You can get all the great Windows and gaming keys you need at CDK Offers. I have a plan. Go to CDKOffers.com to get all the Windows Professional and Microsoft Office keys you need and games as well. Add them to your cart and you can even apply one of them City Slick promotional codes like Shrink for 3% off software and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. I do have an account on this website and it is ultra easy to use. Just submit your order, use PayPal credit card or Bitcoin and go to Windows website to download Microsoft Professional. One more time, that's go to cdkoffers.com. They are a fantastic sponsor of more Laws dead. Use offer code DASHRINK for 3% off everything on the website and broken silicon for 25% off all Windows products. Now, back to the show.
0: All right, let us move on then to story number 5. Intel Alder Lake CPU spotted in sys software benchmark and Adored adds on. Moore's Law is Dead Sapphire Rapids info from four months ago. So this is kind of a roundup of like, let me see, one, two, three, four, five different links here. First, let's start with the Sapphire Rapids stuff that Adored talked about on their website. He confirmed 56 cores that I already said. He confirmed that multi-die, this was something I suspected but was not sure of. He confirms HBM2E, something else I confirmed. Confirms DDR5 and memory speeds that I already told everyone. and. Honestly, the newest thing I saw was confidence in Golden Cove, which I was told various roadmaps showed both Willow Cove and Golden Cove for Sapphire Rapids. So I, I think um, I don't really have much to add on to this part of it, except that I think the most exciting thing is seeing Golden Cove confirmed. None of, nothing else surprises me. The multi die was expected.
2: Yeah, I, no. I, I guess what I'm saying is uh, I don't remember when you thought it was going to come out. But if it's using Golden Cove, that would
0: mean it's tail end of next out. year. I think the the it was either okay. going to be quarter four 20, yeah. Quarter, uh, let me think. Quarter four 2021 or early 2022. They seem to think early 2022, okay. which using Golden Cove. Yep. Makes sense to me. Makes sense. Let me see what else there is. The other thing I'll add on is in my recent video looking at the Zen 3 presentation, I confirmed Ice Lake X is canceled. And so, yeah, this makes sense to me. I know they're trying to get... It might be late 2021. I will say that about Sapphire Rapids just because they need it out as soon as possible. Um, You know, canceling Ice Lake X, they need (laughs) something right away. And indeed, uh, it sounds like there won't be a Rocket like paper launch this year. I kept... I think I kind of just hope there would be. All of my rep- all of mm. the information I've been told though is it's always been planned for quarter 1. Moving on to the summary of intel info. We also have video cards <laughs> reporting of Golden Cove where uh they confirm PCIe 5.0 damn. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that video card says that notebook check exclusively confirms PCIe 5.0 when I confirmed that October 2019. Hey what does exclusive mean anymore? <laughs> There's a reason I don't put exclusive in most of in any really of my reports, because and le- are you sure you've watched everything on the Internet?
2: <laughs> I mean, the only reason I'm thinking they say exclusive is that they get this from an insider source. And I
0: don't write mine. I guessed PCIe 5.0 a year ago. Are you kidding me? <laughs> And that's
2: like how politics, it, like exclusives are sourced. The thing is, there's a lot fewer people in politics and politics is less leaky than tech is. Um, when Wall Street Journal gets an exclusive or the New York Times gets an exclusive, they can be pretty confident that yeah, this senior administration person is just talking to them and they apply the same rule like, well, this is coming from some source I know, so I call it an exclusive. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah,
0: couldn't it couldn't be possible I'm talking to those same sources or have other sources that are yeah i know and they just don't check to see if anyone else has said this well i I don't really have much to say else about this i I really don't i i said this months ago that i'm done with the whole exclusive and who said what first bickering it's like whatever you know i don't intend to get in any big disputes over it but i do have to call out video cards specifically because when i put out the sapphire rapids and alder lake leak in june they said there was nothing new in there. And they were reporting PCIe 4.0 and a bunch of incorrect info for months. And now all of their info is what <laughs> I said four months ago. And they're saying someone else had it as an exclusive. So I, I can't, you know, I don't want, I, and I don't think Notebook Check knew, so I'm not being a dick to them. I'm just, I, I just have to yeah. say, you know, I can't enforce this. You guys have to hold video cards feet to the fire when they publicly say I said nothing new, say I was wrong. Then it turns out I was right, and they don't acknowledge how. I don't, yeah, I don't know. And again, it's not about, right, who said what first, and I don't care, you know, if you didn't, well, I do care, a little, obviously, but, like, it's not about you giving proper credit even, it's just about, well, you said I was wrong, and now you're saying I'm right, not acknowledging how pompous you were. And yeah, it's not even
2: about, like like, saying someone... Wasn't listening to you, or
0: someone stole a source.
1: No, 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 PS. no.
0: Yes, like,
2: like if a got- dude, if there's a hundred thousand tech-
1: people
0: at Intel. You think I don't have like? Come on.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it, it, if a smaller tech tuber ever with like three thousand subscribers or something ever said, "Hey, I actually had this info that you just said you said found first like three months ago," I think it's, I, I think it's a good move to amplify that person because clearly they're doing some good work, and not say like. It's not that you didn't get some information. It's just that if that person beat you to it, I think it's responsible to just say, and by the way, someone confirmed this to me, confirmed this that they had this months ago. So I think it's a good move to tell people that someone else also has this info.
0: Yeah, um, I guess the only other thing I will say is in this Alder Lake reporting. Now, me and you were looking at this, Dan, and we couldn't tell if they updated the article and didn't admit they updated it or not. But they said that it was a misread in Syssoft that it was 16 cores, 32 threads. I, when I scroll down to the oldest comments on that article, I'm seeing people correct the article. And I, and the headline says 16 cores, 32 threads for some reason. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they updated it or not, but I'm just going to say whatever the original version of the article is, whatever they've titled the article. I'm telling you guys, the eight little cores in Alder Lake only have eight threads. They're not hyper-threaded. It's six. It's sixteen yeah. cores, twenty-four threads.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's what all information has always pointed to. And yeah, I brought that up to you because I saw. I mean the the headline for the article says sixteen cores, thirty-two threads. So that's a bad title, regardless. I don't know if people were correcting them because it said that, or if they were correcting them because they updated the article and didn't tell anyone about it. Though.
0: Yeah, I guess I don't know. But I, just to be clear, it is a misleading article. I, and, and I've yes. seen people, you know, I saw someone on our on the Moore's Laws Dead Discord say, why wouldn't they try to give the small cores hyperthreading? I mean, I think, that, first of all, they're using an existing atom architecture that doesn't have hyperthreading, so that's why. <laughs> but, you know, I think <laughs> someone said there have been atoms with hyperthreading before. Why doesn't, not Why do I believe that's correct. Um, Why won't these ones? And it's like, well, you know, if you're going to use background, you know, think of it this way. You've already going to have Windows scheduling having to decide between big core, big core hyper threading, and little core when it schedules. Do you really want to now have it have to decide between do we send this to a big core, a little core, a big core's second thread, or a little core's second thread? If anything, I would almost wonder if they should not even have hyperthreading on some of the big cores on some of these, um, because much like Lakefield, which only has a Sunny Cove core yeah. that I don't believe is hyperthreading, you know, because that's going to get confusing. You would almost just want to, because again, they can fit four atom cores in the space of one big core. So you would almost go, why add hyperthreading when you can just double atom cores again? Or, you know, I, I don't know. I think that's food yeah. for thought. Yeah. But at the very least, The answer to that also probably would be that you have to understand that there's going to be Golden Cove Alder Lake chips that are eight big, no little. So that's why Golden Cove will have hyper-threading on the big cores because it's... We still don't know enough to know for sure, but I think that's why, right? They're going to have it anyways because they're going to have eight core, 16-thread, no little core models. And I know there's also six core, 12-thread big cores with no little core... Models, God, this is sounding confusing, guys. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But so, so that's there, anyways. But then additionally, I think just it's going to be enough of a handful to try to schedule between, you know, like I said, big, big with second thread and little. That makes sense. I wouldn't just confuse the living crap out of everyone. No, that, that all makes
2: sense. Um, I don't know what else to add to that. Also, the marketing for, (laughs) Alder Lake is going to be very interesting now that you get into talking about all of it. But but yeah, um, no, I, it makes sense why we know that it's almost definitely the Golden Cove course or the hyper-threaded course.
0: Yeah. Villahead 94 writes in and says, what are your expectations for Rocket Lake 2020 or 2021? Well, again, I used to say if I was Intel, I would try to paper launch Rocket Lake as soon as possible. But if it's not going to beat Zen 3, maybe don't. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. so, but my expectations are right now, from what I saw in gaming, Zen3 should be seven to ten percent better in single threaded rocket like should be a 10 percent IPC increase over comet like, probably almost the same clock speeds, same power consumption, but with less cores. I honestly, with how impressive Zen 3 is looking to be, I expect them to not release a a Rocket Lake i9. To just top out at an i7, what would it be, 11700K, and then probably be forced to make it a 125-watt TDP with eight cores. That's basically about equal to the 5800X despite using more energy. Same IPC, same core counts, about the same clock speeds. And sell it for probably 350 or 400 and that's probably what they'll do. And then, if you want a 10-core I-9, you're just going to need to get Comet Lake. I don't see any more than 8-cores coming. There's no, I, I, it's not that they couldn't try to. I just think that they believe it would use far too much energy. Like The 8-core Rocket Lake may use as much energy as the 10-core Comet Lake, if not more. <laughs> there's not really room for 10 or 12-core. Yeah. But I don't, do you have any other expectations for Rocket Lake? I mean, the fact that it's coming out an entire quarter after Zen three kind of makes it like I don't think you can call this an i nine it's not coming out first
2: it's not i mean uh, it's getting to a point where rocket like isn't that interesting of a launch in my opinion like it's just going to be a a, a launch to hopefully hold on to some market share or gain back some that they've lost. I don't know maybe it will have kind of having the have the per- it, might, performance it might it might narrowly
0: take it by a few percent and if they charge 350, yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, people will buy. And it will that. have PCIe 4.0, so there is an argument for it, maybe. But it, it's uh, there was a lot of people acting like a few months ago. Oh, I'm gonna wait for Rocket Lake because that'll probably still be the gaming king. I, I I don't think so. I don't even think in terms of like Coffee Lake versus Zen 2. I think this is gonna be the <laughs> same. The same as Zen 3, less efficient. Yeah. Um, seven nanometer writes in and says "Hello Tom, regarding the Zen 3 announcement, AMD has now overtaken Intel in overall single core performance with a relatively small margin. At the same time, AMD didn't up their core counts per segment and up their pricing of the 6-core uh X series by 20%, since you know, $50 on the 250 to 300 is 20% not 10. I reckon that leaves an opening for Intel" Uh, to have a shot of having a quite compelling lower-to-mid-range set of consumer CPUs, provided they adjust their pricing accordingly further down. Do you think Intel will attempt to compete on price with Rocket Lake, especially considering the last news of 14-nanometer wafer shortages? Um, I don't know. I understand how that was worded at the end there, 7-nanometer. Um, but uh, anyways, though, uh, their shortages are done, so that's what I'll say, For uh, are about done for 14-nanometer, as far as I'm aware, right about now. I mean again there were those to answer your question of how they'll position it I think we were already talking about it but I know there was also I forgot to mention that 8 core 12 thread i7 rumored I believe that was something mm-hmm. they were considering doing if Zen 3 didn't quite beat them in gaming performance I I don't know I, I don't think they're going to do that now I think I think the most Intel will do is have both the i7s and i9s have 8 cores and 16 threads I don't know and and where they price them again, I don't know, like I think they should price the eight core if it beats if it beats the fifty eight hundred x, it should be four hundred because it uses more energy. but if it doesn't beat it, I think it should be three fifty honestly i I mean,
2: yeah, I don't really see an argument for that. I don't know what position Rocket Lake will have to take, like as we discussed earlier, I mean older. Zen is just the lower end of the market at this point. I may, Maybe they'll be able to take the performance crown for a little bit less money. That That's, I think, their best. The gaming performance crown, barely, for a little bit less money. That's that's all I really see them doing.
0: Yeah, it's also like one of those things where like if they put the i7 8-core 16 thread at 350 and it's around a 5800X but less efficient, um, then I think the i5 at Two fifty for six cores, 12 threads, I guess works. You know, I think they're Mm -hmm. barely, but, but again, like it would work better if they were launching it. Now, the fact that it's coming out an entire quarter after Zen three, potentially after Zen three goes down in price a little bit, I don't know. I mean, I can't see the reviews being good, being like, we've had four months of Zen three gaming and Intel just launched the same thing, using more energy for the same price. Like, I just can't see those reviews being good unless they finally get Get real with putting their prices where they probably should have been for a while. I mean, it, yeah. And, I th- and the reason they've been it, able to get away with these higher prices relative to the, where their performance is, is because of their mind share. But the entire holiday season of Zen 3 being the gaming champ, I think that mind share is going to be officially gone.
2: I mean, if we're being honest, that mind share is very, e- I feel like it should be easy to take at this point because Intel's been releasing like the same thing for four years now. (laughs) You
0: know, I will say this. When it comes to CPU gaming mindshare, I did today just like, I'm like curious. Like I just looked around like PCMR, Reddit and various forums to see what people were saying. And unlike with the Zen 2 launch where you still saw people go, whatever, it's not hitting 5 gigahertz. Intel's still 10, 20% better at gaming. I don't care. Um, I'm not seeing anyone say that anymore i'm seeing people say i have a ten ki i'm probably getting zen 3 i just buy the best and now i think it's obvious amd is the best and that was always going to be when i would finally consider them you know i saw people say i've had intel for 15 years now i'm finally considering amd again yeah they're the best they make the best cpus but there. i'm saying relative to zen 2 i'm not seeing this you know reluctance to admit that amd is better anymore already
2: I, yeah that that's because you can't point to a number anymore that, that proves your uh, Intel is better. There's, there's no numbers.
0: It's just they're better in every way. Story number six, NVIDIA Intros Quadro RTX A6000, a 40 GA-102 ampere-powered visual computing powerhouses with up to 48 gigabytes of memory, and I will at least note, double the tensor cores of the RTX 3090. So, quoting here from WCCF Tech, NVIDIA has announced its latest and fastest Quadro graphics cards, the Quadro RTX A6000 and the Quadro RTX A40. Both graphics cards are based on the brand-new Ampere architecture and pack a punch when it comes to data-center-oriented visual computing workloads. A special note is the passively cooled and lower-clocked A40, which is really just an alternative version of the A6000. In terms of memory, the NVIDIA Quadro RTX A6000 and A40 feature 48 gigabytes of GDR6 memory. The A6000 offers 768 gigabyte speeds gigabyte per second speeds with its 16 gigabit per second memory dies. While the A40 sticks to slightly more conservative clocks of 14.5 gigabit per second at 696 gigabytes per second of bandwidth. Both cards support the GPU with various configurations starting at one gigabyte up to the whole of 48 gigabyte VRAM buffers. And I guess, so yeah, I don't have much to say. If you watched my A6000 leaks It's exactly everything I showed, of course, which I don't think anyone doubted that. Even Mm -hmm. WCCF deck and video cards covered my A6000 leak because it was obviously true. I had pictures and roadmaps of these cards, you know. Um, So it confirmed everything. The one surprise, and I have talked to a couple sources about this, this surprised all of us, Tensor cores on A6000 are double that of the 3090. I didn't notice that until now.
2: I mean... (sighs) it that would make sense i i guess if that's what they're it's this is all used for like ai workloads right but tensor cores I mean, are used for ray tracing
0: it. and people are complaining ampere isn't maybe where it should be in ray tracing so that means there's two things going on here either the titan and a6000 will be 20 or 30% maybe 50% better at ray tracing than ampere's 3090 or the tensor cores aren't being used nearly as much as we thought they were Um, I don't know. Maybe they're not. (laughs) Right. And so I'm trying to get a hold of an A6000 or 5000, by the way. There's a couple of people I'm talking to where I'm like, seriously, even if it's just for a weekend, I want these cards so I can test ray tracing relative to the 3090 and see if this performs better than a 3080 and around a 3090, despite not having the massive 400 watt power usage. These are like 300 watts or less, which is impressive to me. You know, if you ask me right now, you know, do you want a 38 or a 3090? I'd be like, well, maybe for the channel for benchmarking, but not really. I don't need a new car, but if it's like, oh, but what if I could get you an A4 5000, which is the 24 gigabyte of the A6000? I'd be like, I'll take it. I'll take a 24 <laughs> gigabyte, like 250 watt version of the 3090. That won't surprise me if someone tries to do that benchmark. Even Oh, it's going to happen. I though. just want, I really yeah. want to compare, in fact, An A five or six thousand card to Big Navi more so than a thirty eighty or thirty ninety because that really would be Nvidia's most efficient cards with enough RAM. I I, I, that's what I want to do. We'll see if it happens. But and again, I don't know. The Tensor Core thing's really weird to me. Really weird they disabled half of them unless Tensor Cores aren't as useful for ray tracing and Ampere as we thought they would be. Yeah. Tech News Talk, which I believe was Jury, writes in and says, given that we're out of the excitement of the initial launch of Ampere, how much do you feel the added power delivery from pushing Samsung's node to the limit increased the cost of the overall Ampere architecture's lineup? If NVIDIA had been willing to accept more modest increases over Turing, could they have launched a much cheaper and more efficient generation? Um, I think the short answer is mostly... Like, I don't know how much of the Quadro's efficiency benefit over the gaming cards is GDR6X and binning. We don't know how much of it's better bin. Like, it is better bin, but we don't know yeah. how much of it it is. What I know is the full die, you know, two more SMs enabled over the 3090, the A6000, um, all, it also with those extra two SMs boosts higher than the 3090 <laughs> by like 5 to 10%. So it's got to be a way better binning in that regard. But then we also know that GDR6X, based on Igor's testing, and I think honestly just common sense, at reviews, <laughs> 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 uses a boatload of energy, requires immensely expensive compared to the alternative power delivery systems and cooling. So I, I think my answer would be, when I look at the fact that there's a 250-watt, basically 3080 with 12, 24 gigabytes of normal GDR6, And I'm told it performs the same as the 3080. I I, I don't know. I think if they would have just given it 12 gigabytes of normal GDR6 and clocked it a little lower, I think they could have totally given you something 5% weaker that uses 20% less energy, and they probably could have saved money on other things as well. Probably.
2: I mean, yeah, and I'm also curious to see like literally just how much if they would have just used gdr6
0: how much less energy it would use and, and what the performance drop off would be that's why i want a6000 because if it's only 5% weaker yeah. than the 3090 in gaming i'm like ah i think we're moving 10% 20% power no wait i'm sorry 30% yeah. maybe power usage uh to lose 5% performance and again remember gdr6 is cheaper than gdr6x I think that would have been worth it. I don't know. I don't disagree,
2: <laughs> but I don't know. Then that 3080 would be, I don't know, maybe a little weaker even than, than the uh, whatever big Navi is going to be called. Right.
0: You know, and so that that's what that tells you. But again, I think it's weird for the 3080. Yeah. Um. All right. Story number seven. All of a sudden, NVIDIA seems to be making tons of Ampere cards, according to reports on Twitter from someone I trust a decent amount. And also, I guess the Founders Edition is Best Buy only. So, I have a few, this is a mashup of several links, and I quote, On October 6th, Jensen said the following, I believe that demand will outstrip all of our supply through the year, Jensen Wang said. And then remember, we're also going into the double whammy. The double whammy is the holiday season. Even before the holiday season, we're doing incredibly well. And then you add on top of it the Ampere factor. And then you add on top of that the Ampere holiday factor. And we're going to have a really, really big quarter four season. Sounds like I'm reading a Trump quote, by the way. Moore's Law is Dead must highlight That saying demand will outstrip supply does not mean there will not be a boatload more supply soon. People on Twitter, like Avery78, are already sharing evidence that production of Ampere cards is incredibly elevated for the rumored increased supply at the end of October. I mean, I think I've seen multiple reports of thousands of cards being manufactured a day for about a month now. So... (laughs) <laughs> and, and this is something this part of these mashup of stories is something I need to bring up because I'm seeing people say, oh, there's going to continue to be shortages of Ampere throughout 2020. So that means their ultimate play is delayed. And it's like, no, the I think there's a guys in Invi- my article, the NVIDIA ultimate play article was that NVIDIA wanted there to be overhyped demand due to there being no supply at first, and then because everyone's desperate to buy things when they see them, like what Nintendo did with the Wii, by the way, that they will buy them on site because they know you can never get one, even if you don't want one, perhaps, necessarily, that once they start providing more supply, demand will still be outstripping supply because they prime the market to, to impulse buy. I mean, demand. This is something people, they're like, oh, it's hard to get one. Yeah, but that doesn't mean there isn't now more supply. It just means there's still a lot of demand. In fact, I will go one step further and add this last minute update to the podcast after the initial recording I did with Dan. This is Tom from the future, or I guess still the past, technically, for most people listening to this. But the point is this I received more information from a few of my key sources that I used to put together that NVIDIA's ultimate play article and i really have to just add these in there now the reports of gdr6x causing ampere shortages are bullshit or at the very least people writing about that don't know the full picture if you'll remember i said in the nvidia's ultimate play article and of course video version of it too that nvidia was controlling key components for their ampere cards and holding them to stuff the channels as i said late october early november yeah i can now say those components are GDR6X chips. NVIDIA bought millions, many millions of them, and has stockpiled them to then use in ASICs when they flood the market right before RDNA 2's launch. There's no shortage for NVIDIA. They already own a lot of GDR6X. And in fact, and this is the part you guys will probably be most interested to hear, I am told that right now, over 300,000 3080, and over 30,000 3090 ASICs are shipping for final integration into GPUs that will be put on sale by early November, which you might notice is right when big Navi comes out. So again, this whole ultimate play thing is going on exactly as I said it would go on. for scarcity in the beginning, stockpiling of key components, which I'm now telling you are GDR6X chips, and then flooding the channels late October, early November, which they're about to do. This is important information if you want an Ampere card, by the way. I'm telling you, early November, around uh, RDNA2's launch, there will be hundreds of thousands of 3080s on the market. Additionally, I'll also tell you guys this. I'm told the 20 gigabyte 3080s that will go on sale by December uh, will cost between $850 and $1,000 dollars a thousand dollars is no surprise to me that's what I thought for sure they would sell the uh AI you know the AIB only 20 gigabyte 3080s is at but 850 is a little lower than expected then again at 850 adding another 10 gigabytes of gDR6 based on the bomb costs I've seen these will still be higher markups than actually the 10 gigabyte models so yep at 850 nvidia is happy to have a larger markup for 20 gigabyte cards and then i will also add that the 3070 will have just mountains of stock at launch which is of course when everybody now the day after navi 21 is revealed and of course they did push back that launch so that they can decide if they want to do a last minute price drop right before 3070 reviews come out but that's that's what you guys needed to know in summary Nvidia has tons of GDR6X, hundreds of thousands of 3080s will be sold right around Big Navi's launch, right after the prices are elevated. I'll probably do a video on this, actually, maybe before the podcast comes out to the public feeds. Of course, patrons have already heard this. And additionally, the 3080s will start, the 20 gigabyte models will start at 850 and get up to 1000. And the 3070s will have tons of availability around Big Navi's launch. So again, if you need Ampere for a specific reason... As I said it would, there will be tons of availability compared to what the launch was, at least, right around when Big Navi comes out. But of course, now everyone's spooked and worried that they won't be able to get an Ampere card. And So I'm sure even after prices have been elevated, uh, people will just impulse buy these hundreds of thousands of cards right on cue. All right, back to the show. Demand is 10 times, 20
2: times, 100 times higher than supply. If it gets to a point where it's now only 10 times versus 100 times, they're still going to sell out really fast. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if like, initial supply is at, is outstripped by demand like 100 or 1,000 fold. It's just that's how these things work.
0: Yeah, and, and so again, so in summary, demand staying above supply does not mean supply isn't increasing drastically at the end of October. That was the entire yes. point of my Ultimate Play article, was that they want demand to hit a fever pitch so that when they have enough supply, they still sell out at higher prices. The entire point of the Ultimate Play is that there will be shortages this whole year. But the difference is they didn't have any supply at first, and so prices become elevated. And when there is more supply, people are still paying extra. That was my entire point. <laughs> this happening is what I said would happen. And some people don't seem to understand that. It's like I read your article. This is literally what you wrote would happen. But whatever. Again, more <laughs> whatever. supply does not mean demand is not above the more supply. That's what NVIDIA wanted to happen. That's why they rushed a paper launch out early so that people would be desperate to get one when there was enough supply. This is exactly what I said would happen, not contrary. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Seawolf writes in, and he says, do you think that in a hypothetical situation where AMD managed a 6,900 XT that consistently beat the 3090 by three to 5% in games consistently, that'd be impressive. (laughs) And assuming the a one Oh two is basically tapped. Well, a one Oh two isn't meant for gaming. I don't even think it has a display output guys. Um, so that's, oh, I, and I assume he means a 100, right? Yeah. So again, yeah, yeah, he does mean A100. Yeah. Uh A100 is not um coming to gamers ever. You know, that's not what it's for. That's the 84SM. Uh graphics That's the card, right? that, uh, that's the top die is 128 SMs I believe. Or oh, yeah, 120 yeah. SMs, but they cut it down. Um anyways though, let me see here. Meaning full die plus ferry Is it possible Nvidia in desperation to save face engineers in A100 Titan? Uh no. So, all right, in summary, if AMD beats the 3090, which isn't impossible, I'm not saying it's impossible for AMD to beat the 3090. I'm saying there's AMD doesn't seem sure they'll beat it. And so assuming they'll beat it by any significant margin is, in my opinion, AM delusionalism. Um but, and I'm just trying to control the hype because, man, there's, I mean, when you see people in your Discord saying it's going to beat the 3090 by 30 percent you got to go, well, you're going to be disappointed now, no matter what AMD releases. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> like when, it's like when uh, the, the Vega Frontier leaked and it was in between the 1070 and the 1080 and everyone was like, oh, so the gaming one will be 40% better, right? It's like, no, this means they have a 1080 competitor, unfortunately, guys. anyways though but what would a what would nvidia do i mean i think the only options nvidia has if amd does beat the 3090 is one slight price cuts in positioning the 3070 lower than expected and then two getting an rtx 4000 series out mid 2021 i've seen you know uh you know let me continue with this other reader mail 0x000 ff4 writes in and says, what do you two think of these images? And Dan, it was like a testing machine sewing GA-102 Titan on the screen. So okay. some, and I and I don't know the validity of these pictures for the record, um, but I do have multiple sources saying that NVIDIA is considering launching a Titan. You know, so, I, I, but I, but I don't see a Titan really saving them. I think the Titan then, if it beats AMD by 5%, and what's it going to be? Like the full enabled... Die so with more SMs, 24 right? gigabytes of GDR6X or 48, you know? Yeah. Like, they're still only going to win by 5% and probably be the same price as AMD's 32-gigabyte professional card, which is just not a good position compared to where they were a couple of years ago. Um, I, I don't think they can really do anything besides just launch the Titan. Hope their mind share helps them. Again, put the 3078 gigabyte at 400 instead of 500. Put the 16 gigabyte at, like, 500. And then drop the 3080 to 650. I do suspect that's the lowest they can go with the 3080 guys. The lowest they can really go is 600, <laughs> or before they start selling it at a loss. By the way. So and then yeah. just maybe launch a 20 gigabyte 3080 for 900 instead of a thousand. That's really all they can do. And then rush out the RTX 4000 series like they did Fermi. That that that's their response. They can't. There's nothing else they can do in the short term. The Titan isn't going to be more than ten percent better than the thirty ninety, and I doubt it'd even be that much better.
2: I mean, yeah, and then the only other option is if they gave it a lot more RAM, but I don't think you really need like more than twenty four gigs with for the Titan or anything like that. So yeah, I don't know. uh, lowering prices is their only option in the short term if it a m d beats the thirty ninety by five percent, which unrealistic, but yeah,
0: possible. All right, story number eight. Nvidia shares official GeForce RTX 3070 performance figures. So it, it's random, but are, are you the, are you tired of saying GeForce before RTX? Because it's starting to can. Yeah, because it's like I, I, I just, have to say Nvidia GeForce RTX. It'd be like if I had to say like. I guess some people do say AMD Radeon RX. I don't know. I'm getting tired of it though. I just call it the number. Yeah. NVIDIA shares official RTX 3070 performance figures and leaks point to 16 gigabyte and 20 gigabyte cards in December. So there's a mashup of a few articles here and quoting from video cards. NVIDIA confirmed that the launch date of the GeForce RTX 3070 graphics card has been postponed till October 29th. That would be one day after AMD reveals Big Navia in its entirety. Uh, In the same blog post on NVIDIA's website, we can find the very first graph showing RTX 3070 performance in synthetic and gaming scenarios. The labels on the official graph are missing, so we went ahead and measured each graph and calculated how many pixels each bar has. This gave us values for reference. So... Yes, this is definitely not perfect, but it's certainly better than nothing. As far as we can tell, the 3070 appears to offer slightly higher performance than the RTX 2080 Ti, 8% on average. But in some instances, the card is actually slower, such as in Borderlands, Blender, and Time Spy Extreme. So I like what they did analyzing the graphs, but I don't agree with how they portrayed this as slower in some scenarios. People buying the 3070, I believe, are mostly gamers especially the people listening to this. Now, I understand some people are not. It's fine. But I'm saying, when you actually, and I did this, I averaged the seven games, and in 1440p, I see the 3070 is only 2.6% faster than the 2080 Ti in 1440p. And so, it's only 8% better when you can buy non-gaming tasks. It's like, no shit, it's 20 teraflop card. It's like a compute. You know? I mean, honestly, after cherry picking, Assuming some cherry picking, I'm seeing the 3070 is the same performance as the 2080 Ti, not stronger, at least in gaming.
2: I mean, yeah, and even to an extent, we're starting to split hairs at a certain point because, I mean, 8% better is, that's that's a number that's definitely substantially better than the 2080 Ti, but it's not that huge. And I mean, if you diminish it even further by actually looking at the gaming performance, 3% is functionally equivalent. Like, I'm not going to say that's different. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess their thought was they just did the math for you, which I think was good that they did the math for you. I guess they could have split it up into gaming and um, productivity tasks to further
0: make their numbers a little bit more accurately portrayed though. I mean, yeah, seeing the thirty seventy though literally being a twenty eighty Ti, I mean, with some assumption that there's a bit of cherry picking and this is in fourteen forty P, so but it has like thirty percent, forty percent less, maybe more, less bandwidth than the twenty eighty Ti, I think this is gonna lose in four K to the twenty eighty Ti.
2: Well yeah, I mean I that wouldn't surprise me. It has it has less. And, and I'm pretty too, sure right?
0: top Navi 22, as I covered in my leak, is going to end up as strong as a 2080 Super or stronger. So I think they do need a launch. I think that's why they're postponing the release of the 3070 to October 29th. They want to see if this is even remotely close to the bottom Navi 21 car. Because if it's not, they need to launch this for 400 as a Navi 22 competitor. Because I believe Navi 22 will have 12 gigabytes of RAM based on. And again, I don't have nearly as much info. Based on the Navi 22 info, I think is most likely correct. Although I want to emphasize, I'm not sure. There's a couple of dies I've seen that Mm -hmm. could be Navi 22. I'm not 100% sure it's the 192, but 12 gigabyte. I think that's most likely. And if that's true, they need to put the 8 gigabyte at 400 and the 16 gigabyte at like 500. Sick. And then they need to drop the price on the... probably do 600. If AMD wasn't competitive, sure. But I think they just need to drop the price on the 3080 to whatever they can stomach.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're living in a post-AMD being competitive Not world. being competitive. So a post they, not being competitive Not being competitive, competitive, yeah. They're going to have to actually be competitive with their pricing at a certain point, because AMD will just railroad them if they don't.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Navi22 is not going to be an expensive card to make, I don't think. So, <laughs> yeah. I guess the only other thing I'll <laughs> add to this is the... You know, the, talking about 16-gigabyte and 20-gigabyte cards coming out in December, as expected. Of, of course, I've long insisted that there will definitely be a 16-gigabyte 3070, that the 3080, 20-gigabyte was likely. So none of this surprises me. The one thing, again, that I just have to laugh about is video cards saying 3070 Ti is canceled. That's so interesting that you can cancel a card that was never announced to be coming out. Yeah, that's how you cancel
2: a card is you don't announce it and
0: never tell anyone about it and then never tell anyone you that you stop talking well, about Well,
1: and so
0: it. a lot of these leak websites were saying there has to be a 3070 Ti when from the start I said I have zero info that there's a 3070 Ti or 3070 Super. And in fact, one of my best sources says NVIDIA wants to avoid launching Supers and TIs. Although I wouldn't be surprised it's a 3060 Ti to be clear. Um, Thirty sixty Ti's. There's there's always been a sixty Ti. Well, there's more of a shall we say a historical heritage of sixty Ti's in Nvidia's lineup,
2: and they always do well. So yeah, I I I won't be surprised if they keep the sixty Ti. But I don't see where this. I don't see where a thirty seventy Ti fits into the performance. It doesn't at a certain point.
0: It it doesn't. The thirty seventy is you know the thirty eighty is. In 1440p is 20% better. In 1440p, the 3070 is like 3% better. So what is it going to be? F- t- 5, 10% stronger than the 3070 and 10% weaker than the 3080 and 1440p? p well, loving mean, more RAM than the 3080? I don't understand this product.
2: Yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't either. I don't think it, it's going to be.
0: Made, oh, but I want to be clear. It's not because they canceled it. It's because it was never going to exist, which is what I told you guys from the yes. start. And now you see all these leakers <laughs> saying this card that was never announced was canceled. I don't know. I just can't. It's interesting how these some people cover up, <laughs> like try to justify these, you know, whatever. Anyways, yeah. I don't want to. Dwell. I mean, I guess there was a his heritage, as you say, of seven DTIs as well for a while too. So, um, eh. Not really. Uh, there was no. no 2070 Ti. There was a 2070 Super. That's true. But that's what the 2070 was always supposed to be and they didn't expect the 5700 XT to crush the 2070 so hard. Yeah. <laughs> TSBCFS writes in and says, given that NVIDIA's own Turing white paper indicates that INT is 26% of the modern shaders, 35% will ray tracing, do you believe it would be fair to quote Ampere's teraflops at approximately 0.74 and 0.65 of the officially rated numbers when talking about it? I also think that you should take this into account when talking about bandwidth differences is int does take bandwidth still. Ampere effectively has 1.26 the bandwidth at a given bandwidth of Turing given that Nvidia's 26 percent of instructions are int is correct in regular games. Um, no, I, I think my opinion when it comes to ampere, the whole cuticore thing is cores are a waste of time to talk about teraflops is the number and it actually is that many teraflops but teraflops are not gaming performance. I don't know how many times we have to see this PS5 versus Xbox, um Vega versus Pascal. I mean, how many times do we have to get it through people's heads that teraflops do not equal performance, right?
2: Yeah. I don't know. Like the the formula the the way you calculate this, they they met the benchmark for what is considered a cuticore. Now, whether you want to say, well, is this a useful number to talk about in gaming? That's another conversation. And I would say probably not, as we're seeing. Um, The 3070 is, what what is it, 20 teraflops, and it's a 2080 Ti. So it's just teraflops and cuticores don't equal gaming performance.
0: Right. Again, my opinion, stop worrying about cuticores. They keep changing what they even mean They have been for like 10 years. So stop worrying about what cuticores are. You want to look at SM or compute unit count. And then you just want to say the teraflop number of Ampere is correct. But teraflops have never directly equaled gaming performance. Yeah, that's, that's the most accurate way to put it, I would say. Story number nine. Report: Nvidia might go with TSMC seven nanometer EUV for high-end Ampere GPUs and Samsung seven nanometer slash eight nanometer EUV for the low-end GPUs next year. Uh, so this is quoting from a retired engineer on Twitter and WCCF Tech. DigiTimes just published a massive report hidden behind a paywall, of course, that shed some light on NVIDIA's plan for Ampere GPUs as well as their future plans. NVIDIA may use the higher cost but better yielding and performing TSMC 7nm EOV process for its mid- to high-end products, while part of the lower volume mid to low end products will use Samsung's aggressively priced 7 nanometer EUV and maybe even still a little bit of their existing 8 nanometer processes. Worth noting, NVIDIA previously underestimated the effect of AMD embracing TSMC and made some errors in its own plans for migrating to advanced nodes, moving to Samsung and wavering in its TSMC strategy. Only to go back to TSMC later, NVIDIA was unable to secure enough 7 nanometer capacity having to use it for A100, resulting in AMD grabbing the line. Light, eroding NVIDIA's brand value and increasing its own market share for GPUs. I guess we're assuming that's what's about to happen. So,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, what I'll say is I don't know the validity or accuracy of this report. As usual, when DigiTimes put something out, I have to say my opinion is DigiTimes never lies. They always have good sources, but it always, to me, feels like they only have part of the picture. Remember, just a few months ago, they were saying Zen 3 was going to be on 5 nanometer out of nowhere. But clearly, has not happened. If anything, the opposite. It's not even on 7 nanometer UV, I believe. So um, so, anyways, though, and, and I believe 5 nanometer is going to be reserved for Zen 3 Plus and APUs or something. But anyways, so I would take this report, though, as possibility, not a confirmation. And I would say this lines up with my opinion, not a leak, my opinion, that NVIDIA's response to AMD, should AMD de- completely defeat Ampere, needs to be Redesigning the lineup on better nodes and rushing them out mid next year as soon as possible. Again, somewhat similar to what they did with Fermi. Get a working node, increase you know memory speeds and SM counts per segment, and just make it work better and get that out as soon as possible.
2: I don't know. I guess while I was reading it, I was confused or maybe I missed some of the context. But so they're saying that essentially that would mean that they're going to refresh Ampere at some point. And that would, it is what would be on TSMC and Samsung simultaneously?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's fair to call okay. that a refresh when it's on a node that's like 30% better and will probably use different that's, memory speeds. This is and, and again, it's like, do you consider the GTX 500 series a refresh of the GTX 400 series? Maybe. I mean, the 580 is yeah, literally just a 480 with a few more SMs or I think maybe just two more SMs enabled. But it also used 20% less energy. And boosted higher and like outperformed it by like 25%. So. Yeah. And wasn't the space heater.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I
0: think of a refresh, yeah. right, I think of the 580 versus the 480, 10% higher performance. You know, that's it. Now we're talking about AMDs. Yeah. 580. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But when you look at the Thermie 580 and 480, which you're right. <laughs> Um, the just because it was a similar die, basically the same die, just fixed. I don't think it's fair to call the GTX 580 a refresh of the 480 when it performed 25 percent better and used 20 percent less energy. That's just a better card, a different card.
2: Yeah, that's true. Even if it's the same, uh, the same basic design, it's uh, been improved upon enough where I, yeah, you would call
0: that a, a new card, I guess. Yep. So Lewis199254 writes in and says, I just finished your last broken silicon podcast and is very informative as always. Thank you, Lewis. I also read some of the YouTube comments. and noticed some believe that second gen of RTX isn't there yet. I think it's reasonable to believe any substantial improvement in RTX or AI super sampling is still a few generations away. He's talking about basically DLSS. However, when do you think we will have RTX permanently on? In every game. Also, what point will games be completely path traced with no rasterization at all? I think, and again, it's a dart throw, guys. I I think five years away. In other words, I I mean, I think you're going to see indie games maybe even on the consoles that are really easy to run that attempt full path tracing at lower resolutions like Minecraft RTX and stuff. But I don't, you know, I think best case scenarios, PS6, for example, is fully path traced. And that will only be if somehow RDNA 4 and 5 Hopper and what comes after Hopper are doing full path and ray tracing a year or two before that console comes out. So I I think maybe we'll see some attempts at this in a few years, but I don't think five years. I think five years. I think it could come sooner than you think. But if you look at Ampere, it's not even halfway there. We need something five times better than ampere i think to attempt full path tracing and basically when i was talking to uh, i think multiple people i've had a broken silicon have said their opinion is for nvidia to get full path tracing working they need to just be willing to lose a generation in rasterization
2: i mean that's a good point i like and i i'm curious to an extent like will five years from now will it just be they, we can have RTX on permanently, even, and it will just still be a hybrid rasterization path traced approach that where the ray tracing is strong enough now, where you really don't need to care if it's on or off. It just doesn't affect performance. Because I don't right, because that's the next step, right? Yeah, you know, I feel like that even might be three or four years away. I don't.
0: Well, yeah, and, and let's be let's be optimistic then. Let's say, just to make the conversation easy. RDNA three matches Ampere ray tracing, and then let's say mm-hmm. RDNA three and Hopper double the ray tracing performance of you know RDNA two and Ampere. Let's say that's what happens. So that would be end of twenty twenty two. We get to something twice of where we're about to be at this fall. You know, at that point, you are finally getting to four K one twenty hertz in some games. Not that many though. Still, I don't think. Um, with Ultra Ray Tracing turned on. So that's where you're like, before it's just on. And then we would need to get to RDNA 4 in 2023 or 2025. And then that's when it's probably just on. And then that's when you finally see the leap to all path tracing. But you're still going to need to support older games. Now, this is one of those things where, if you'll remember, I believe it was late 90s or something, or early 2000s, you had these graphics cards that literally had two dies one for 2D games, and then one that was just like a separate die for running (laughs) games in 3D, because that 3D was so new back then, like in the 90s. So, Mm -hmm. I think we would run into that problem as well, as it's like, well, if you design it entirely around ray tracing, I could totally see it in five years, but how much that die is still there, you know, because we need to basically fully saturate photorealism with rasterization and then attempt, you know, getting to path tracing. Which, again, let's remember, it's not just graphics. If Things were fully path traced. Lighting would be ten times easier to program for developers. Yeah, so developers
2: want full path
0: tracing. <laughs> yeah, but it's just a matter of when the hardware can. But I guess the it. answer to your question again, I think we agreed, Dan. Most optimistically, five years. And it, it yeah, pro- and yeah, and I would say optimistic. Yeah, that's optimistic. Deco writes him, "Hey Tom, you mentioned a while back that the NVIDIA control panel will be getting a redesign. Do you have any updates for when that's coming? Nope." And I think it's way overdue, <laughs> to be honest, guys. Like, you use the NVIDIA control. I have yeah. an NVIDIA system, and I'm like, anytime I update it, it's like, man, this is slow and looks like it's from the tooth, early 2000s. Early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah. like uh, older than the RX 6000 menu, or around there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, not RX, HD 6000. We're almost full circle, Dan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're almost there. <laughs> Although can you call it full circle when AMD's just switched naming schemes three times? Um, I don't know. We're like f- we're like full octagon. Whatever that that yeah. <laughs> AMD's weird naming scheme circle. Um, all right. Story number 10. So, IBM to break up 109-year-old company to focus on cloud growth, quoting from Reuters. International Business Machines Corp. is splitting itself into two public companies. Capping a years-long effort by the world's first big computing firm to diversify away from its legacy businesses to focus on high-margin cloud computing, IBM will list its IT Infrastructure Services Unit, which provides technical support for 4,600 clients in 115 countries and has a backlog of $60 billion. As a separate company with a new name by the end of 2021, the new company will have 90,000 employees, so almost as big as Intel, the spinoff, by the way, and its leadership structure will be decided in a few months. Chief Financial Officer James Kavanaugh told Reuters IBM, which currently has more than 352,000 workers, said it expects to record nearly $5 in expenses related to the separation and operational changes. So... I think that just tells you how big IBM still is. By the way,
2: <laughs> I, I mean you always forget about IBM because they're just pretty much completely out of the public eye until like some they have some new like AI supercomputer program until they put Watson on Jeopardy again. Yeah, um, I mean, and I think that's useful for like clinical diagnosis. It like is used like for real things now. Yeah, although I will say I'm curious what the longevity of that new 90,000 person company is, because it kind of sounds like you're the wing of the company that's dying beer. Well, it's interesting.
0: I was talking to someone who works at a company that uses their consulting services. And a lot of people think that part of it's more important. Like they rely on IBM to run their systems and consult with them with all of their computer problems. So I almost wonder if it's the IT services department that wants to be its own thing.
2: Okay, I mean that's good to know because at least first reading the article it s- kind of sounded like they were just breaking off a, a dying arm of their company, but <laughs> maybe it's just uh these IT service people are tired of <laughs> being part of the company that keeps pivoting away from what they or do or
0: they want to be able to support AMD and Intel systems more easily than just yeah. support IBM, which continues to lose market share. Yeah, that's true. But so, but I don't know. I'm just throwing that idea out there. As far as I'm aware, though, this is an understandable decision based on a couple of people I've talked to, but I don't know. I mean, a large part of IBM's market val- I'm not, or um, business case, I should say, was the fact that they had such insanely good support and logistics people and that if you're spinning off the support people, that's hmm. Maybe a questionable design. Yeah, so I, that's but, all I can really say, though. This is a big deal, though, so I figured we had to cover it, I mean, at least a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest, at least by employee count, semiconductor
0: company in the world then, right? Um, well, I don't want to say yes or no, because i they be sure. Diver- Although they're my, more diversified, though, I think, so. Story number 11, PS5 Teardown, an up-close-and-personal look at the console hardware, and so I have a few links here, quoting from a few sources. On October 7th, Sony finally unveiled the internals of the PS5. I believe this part's from video cards. It's cooling... And, and, and so, wait. And so, some of this is what video cards said. Some of this is what I'm noting on my own. So, here's the things. I wear... You know, and I, I it's only seven minutes. I recommend people watch it. Oddly, only in Japanese. You'd think you'd want to do it in a few languages, but I, I don't know. I guess there's captions. Um, it's cooling system is very elaborate. It utilizes liquid metal, which is interesting. Um, it seems to be very easy to do maintenance on. That's one thing that surprised me as well. Is that despite its odd shape, this thing looks very easy to take apart. Even the fan looks like you could, if they, if someone, if you bought an aftermarket replacement fan, you could potentially replace the fan on your own. Uh, there's dust catchers under the panel with vacuuming ports, which I think is interesting. It has four USB ports, which is like the first time I've seen this since. PS3 Fat Edition. like It's about time uh, Sony gave you a bunch, more than two USB ports, in my opinion. In fact, one of them is a Gen 2 10 gigabit per second USB 3.1. I think that's just for longevity purposes, whether that's used for VR or not, I'm not sure. But it's interesting, it's on the front of the console, Mm -hmm. so maybe PSVR 2 is not cordless. Maybe that's what this is for.
2: Yeah. I, I hope it's cordless, but that that sounds like the most likely scenario is why they would specifically have this port.
0: You know, I'm just realizing this, too. I know there's other reports out there of people testing the PS5 now or using it, and it's incredibly quiet and uh, cool, despite being quiet, uh, for, mm-hmm. you know, which surprises some people because of its high clock speeds. I wonder if that 350-watt power supply isn't just, of course, for longevity and to keep it co- self-cool. It, what if it uses 200 watts the console does and they're just leaving 100 watts on the table to power a vr device through the usb port oh that's i haven't not, thought about that until that, now
2: i mean that would easily supply enough energy yeah. to do that like those can supply like what 150 watts or something 100 100 okay. which
0: yeah it won't use that much <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i mean that's That's Um, interesting to think about, right? That maybe that's why the power supply is so big as well. But anyways, continuing, it also has a separate Times 4 NVMe 4.0 port for when PC drives catch up to the PS5 storage, so you can upgrade it on your own. And then, uh, let's see, it seems to use the same amount of energy according to reports the Xbox Series X already said that. Don't have much to say about this, really. Yeah, so I guess that's it. You know, there's the four USB ports, including the latest USB 3.1, there's the extra additional NVMe 4.0 port. I don't have much to add, but I figured we had to cover this because we covered the Xbox teardown many months ago. <laughs> it's time we covered this as yeah. well. I mean, what, what were your takeaways from the PS5 teardown? I mean, the biggest
2: things that I noted were, like I think I said to you, like the design looks very, very like much like there was a lot of intention behind it. Like, this is what they wanted to make. Um... Uh, It looks incredibly easy to tear apart, which was also very interesting to me. Like, it looks like you don't really even need special tools or anything to take it apart. Like you, you need kind of weird or special tools with other consoles, so that's interesting. And the other thing I noticed in comments on the internet is people are definitely going to be modifying (laughs) their consoles with uh, third party. Like side panels. Oh, I'm
0: sure that's going to be a thing right away or within a year because it looks like the side panel snap right off just like the 360s did. Xbox 360, if you'll remember yes. that. And a lot of people don't like the look of the outside of the console, so I wouldn't be surprised indeed if someone just released a different chassis for it that makes it look like a traditional glossy box or something, or matte box. Yeah, that's...
2: I, I think people will, although I do think it needs to remain open because I think those fins are important for the airflow. Yeah, multiple
0: people I've talked to emphasize this too, that I know that they're like, look, we know the console looks goofy, but it isn't actually to be a statement. It is designed in a weird looking way to cool effectively, guys.
2: I mean, so maybe if they wanted to, they could have, put like some extra plastic to make it look like a normal box. But, that's what I
0: think. And yeah, and I think if it. it matters more to you that it looks like a rectangle again, I don't, I don't actually think it looks bad or good. I just think it looks fine. I don't think it's ugly. Yeah. I think it, it's definitely different looking, but you know, I, I it's just, I, I don't really care. Uh, that's the one thing I wonder is if we're going to see aftermarket attachments for, for the PS five, and then people are going to find out that it runs hotter. I think the answer is yes. (laughs) Yes or yes. I I think that's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, so again, I think the big takeaway is I like that it has a bunch of USBs. Finally, I like that how easy it looks to work on. Um, And uh, it's way easier to take apart than I expected. Yeah. Departed Sense writes in. So yeah, we're on to the final reader mails, everybody. Uh, He says, I had a thought about the PS5's SSD. I was always under the impression that NAND flash would likely be in 256 or 128 NAND ICs by eight capacities. The PS5's 800, well, it's 825 gigabyte SSD. Never seemed to make a lot of sense to me. Well, dude, there's all different types of SSD sizes. Go to Newegg. You can find, I have a 960 gigabyte drives on my PC right now. I have a 1.72 terabyte. Backup SSD I just bought for backing up information. So there's all different sizes. It doesn't have to be in half or one terabyte, man, uh, or 768. But he goes, listening to Cerny's talk about using the SSD for additional RAM and additional functions, I realized that would mean hugely increasing the number of write operations. Actually, it doesn't mean that uh, because when they're streaming in assets, they're not necessarily writing to it. They're just pulling from it, Right. So I wouldn't be sure how much more writing there will be. More than before? Probably. But I don't think it's as much more as you might expect. I think it's mostly about streaming in assets, not writing to it. Some, uh, it's, it's like additional RAM for some functions, not all functions. You just need to use RAM sometimes. But anyways, continuing his question. While everyone is talking about its speeds, I think people overlook the real elephant in the room about its capacity. It's standard reason that the drive is likely one terabyte. It's not. It's 825, by the way. It's, it does not standard reason. I'm telling you, I know one of the guys who helped design it. It's 825. Uh, But as they need the system to last however long, the PS5 warranty is, they, well, probably one year. They also must be aware of the wear on the NAND itself. So yeah, then he goes on to say, should we worry about, you know, I'd say two things. Guys, guys. And Dan, you told me you were annoyed because you're tired of seeing this. But guys, it is 825 gigabytes. It's not one terabyte. Okay. And also, go read any of the recent SSD longevity, longevity tests they last for terabytes of writing like a day for like five six years i'm not worried about ssd these ssds wearing
2: yeah so i i keep seeing this online that it's actually a one terabyte solid state drive and for one reason or another they're just calling it 825 like the biggest one i always see online which isn't what he's suggesting is that's just the size of the OS. And that's no,
0: oh, yeah, that's right. Then the, yeah, the, sometimes the PlayStation fanboys are like, maybe they're just, you know, putting the OS like, in the, you know, 100. No, 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 it's not the OS either. Like, keep in mind, this is a tech company.
2: They want to show you the biggest number they can show you. So if it's a terabyte solid state drive, they're going to show you the yeah. terabyte. But, anyways, I just want to explain the math quick for why it's 825. It uses 12, 512. Gibby bit nan sticks that goes to sixty one forty four gigabits. A gigabit is seven hundred. Jesus, seven hundred sixty eight gigabytes, which equals eight hundred twenty five gigabytes. All
0: these ridiculous. The only names.
2: Yeah, a gigi a gigabyte is technically uh seven percent bigger than a gigabyte because gigabytes are base ten. Gigabytes are based two. Thank you, Dan, for so, doing this research. Continue. So essentially, a, a gigabyte is what you owe it. We always report a gigabyte like ten twenty-four megabytes, and we also call that a gigabyte. That's technically wrong. A gigabyte's a thousand megabytes. So it's eight hundred twenty-five gigabytes because that's the number it literally has to be. The only other options would be one point six five, yeah. I think, terabytes or four hundred thirteen gigabytes. 825 is all it could be with the uh, configuration
0: of NAND chips they're using. (laughs) That's all it could be. All right. I see you definitely dug into this question then to try to end this once and for all.
2: I'm tired of seeing it online, and I hope one person hears this that won't comment that online again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If if you just get a few more people to stop asking this question is what you're saying, then you've done your job. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, and, and so I guess you answered the capacity part of it. And then I'll just say, again, I'm not worried about these things breaking from reading and writing. If that happens, yeah, we'll certainly cover it in a story, but I'm not worried about that at all. Um, Trav Hogan writes in and says, Hi, Tom. I hope you and yours are doing well. I'm curious which PlayStation 5 exclusives, if any, you're looking forward to most where they're officially revealed or trapped within the depths of Sony's PR. Also, these don't necessarily have to be games that you'd play, but could be games you're excited to see from a technical sales point, a cetera, point of view. Okay. Feel free to use your sophisticated lexicon to silently hit at your solid choice if you're in an uncharted zone where you have to resurge the itch to reveal a game's title. Yeah, he's hinting at the games that I, as you put it, Dan, not so subtly hinted at in a die shrink recently. Um, Best regards, Trav Hogan. Um, so I mean, like of the announced games, I would say Demon's Souls, but oh, and Returnal yeah. that I think that's a game that has a high probability of being a sleeper hit. That's from a house mark and they have a good track record. And I think this is their first attempt at like a big boy, triple a first person shooter or third person. Yeah, actually, because be- I think. before they were doing
2: like bullet hell games, like, uh, Rezo yeah. And, so
0: right? I yeah. would say, um, I don't, you know, what exclusives i'd say returnal is actually the one and it kind of looks like an interesting combination of edge of tomorrow type gameplay and i'm like an edge of tomorrow game i'm in or of course they renamed that movie to what was it live die repeat or something live die repeat Yeah. edge of tomorrow was a cooler name um but uh yeah so that one and then demon souls but if you if it you want an honest answer of everything? Oh, the ones they haven't announced yet that I've heard about; those are the ones I'm most excited
1: about. And, and you and I've told you the, what they she, are, Dan.
0: You're
2: excited about those ones, yeah? More, I think too, right? Yeah, I'm also really excited to play demons. Yeah, <laughs> but, but and also from a technical side, I'm interested in the new Ratchet and Clank game because oh, yeah, there's always a platformer that they use to like highlight the new tech, and that's what the Ratchet and Clank
0: game is, but. Um, But yeah, in terms of like sales, I haven't thought of it from that standpoint. Like, what's a game? You know, from a sales perspective, I'm interested to see how Gran Turismo does. Not because I play racing games, and not even because I think Gran Turismo is the best racing game anymore. Because I think I'm not sure it is. I'm curious if Gran Turismo does incredibly well, just because it's been so long for a mainstay. And I believe that one's going to be 4K 60 ray traced. So I, I, am yeah. So I'm interested to see how well Gran Turismo does. Because they take so god dang long. I mean, in my opinion, literally, truly too long to make their games. Too long. I, could, I think if I was Sony, I'd be like firing people. Like, why does it take you guys so long? I want excuses either. It well, doesn't matter what the reason is. It's too long.
2: Did you hear we take six months to perfectly map the inside of every car? or whatever They, they do. do their, and they like 3D
0: scan every part of every car. They say that if you're uh, uh, like a... I forgot the name like at like you know world cup racing matches in Europe or something that you'll see people there with these mega ridiculous hilariously huge cameras taking pictures of cars from a distance they're like what's that guy and they're like oh he works for uh studio japan he's 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 photographing a race yeah. car they can't get close to for their racing game <laughs> and he's trying to get so, close ups yeah. of each part from a distance <laughs> that's ridiculous so I guess that's what they prioritize. I, but again, whatever they're doing, it takes too long, in my opinion. So, But I'm curious to see how well that does, because I wouldn't be surprised if Gran Turismo is no longer this crown jewel of Sony's lineup. I mean, I think if racing game
2: is like your true, like that's what you're passionate about with games, I think For- forts is clearly the, the winner at this point, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Gran Turismo will do really well because people want it. But yeah, it seems like most of the racing game people would... Have switched to fourth said by now.
0: Vi yeah, Pass writes in and he says CPU launches, GPU launches, consoles, AAA games, Flight Sim 2020, squadrons, and cheap VR headsets. I think Flight Sim, I think that would be grouped in some of those other groups you already said. But most of the time, this would be the best year ever. But since, I guess, it is worth pointing out though, the fact that there is even any new flight simulator probably does get its own fallout. I, I agree. Actually, um, this would be the best year ever. But since the pandemic hit, it turns what should be great things into absolute nightmares. As scalpers are buying up and reselling at large markups from GPUs, gaming peripherals, uh, consoles, anything where there is a shortage becomes even more scarce for people who actually will use the product to those who just want to flip it for a buck. And there is nothing we can do, it seems, but wait it out or pay up. How long do you think it will take for these industries to catch up to the demand as demand has not seemed to be diminishing regardless of economic instability? Um, I mean, how would you answer that question, Dan? I mean,
2: yeah, it sucks, but I, I think part of it is if you actually want to get around the issue of scalpers, uh, smarter systems need to be designed around discouraging scalping. And as far as when will industry start catching up to demand? I mean, Never. It's not in their best interest to immediately meet demand because that means that prices drop immediately. Yeah,
0: it's in their best interest to have the price they've set, keep that price at least and just barely meet demand. That's what the goal is. You don't want to oversupply. I mean, like historically speaking,
2: the PS3, I'll say like was really hard to find initially, but eventually became incredibly easy to find. The PS4, it's not hard to get at all, but it's harder You're to get. You're right. Than the PS even PS3 throughout was. its whole
0: life, the PS4 Pro was always kind of hard to get in some areas, um, like even at the Best Buy here in Peoria, there were times where it just wasn't there. Like I was never looking to just buy, well, I guess there was one point, of course, now we have one, but like, you know, I was always just curious and I would find months after it came out, years after it came out, it would still be often sold out. So yeah, I think you're looking at that. Like Sony just wants to meet demand. The They're not trying to flood anything. They want to just meet demand.
2: Yeah. And now the PS4 has only dropped $180 since it launched seven years ago. Seven? Yeah, seven years ago. Uh, and by the time that this time in the cycle of the PS3, I think it was less than $200. So that had dropped by over three times.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: The, the George Foreman PS30, yeah. was like, 180, it's like I a
0: think. 12 gigabyte flash storage hard drive.
2: That's true. It also did have
0: like no storage, but <laughs> Yeah, um but uh yeah, so I guess in other words that's their goal. In terms of scalpers, I think it's it was an afterthought thought for Nvidia. I think it clearly Microsoft and Nintendo and and Sony now are going out of their way to try to limit one PlayStation per credit card per account. Obviously, scalpers can try to get to multiple accounts, but they're doing what they can to prevent bots and such. And that the do-it-yourself PC gaming market is just woefully behind. I I just don't even understand what's going on, frankly. Like, I don't understand why. Like, I remember the RX 480 was the first card I tried to get around launch day just because I had sold my 390X once I knew the 480 would be about the same performance and use less energy Mm -hmm. and be cheaper. So, and that was not easy to get. And every launch I've seen, whether it's Polaris, Vega, you know, Pascal, Turing, and now Ampere, it's just scalpers are all over the place. There's no way to pre-order for some bloody reason. And you just have to like refresh Newegg. And even up to the day before release, people are like, wait, is Newegg going to add it at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m.? You know what I mean? Like, and I don't understand why this is how the do-it-yourself market works when the console markets and like the smartphone markets aren't stupid. Like, I don't understand. Why aren't we allowed to pre-order? Why isn't there more effort put into preventing bots? Is it because PC gamers just put up with it i mean maybe the answer is because this is a more niche market but it's still it's still ridiculous i think i mean yeah
2: it's i i I don't know and even with those extra assurances i guess i'll say that the console market has it's still like rife with people scalping it like i wouldn't be surprised if there are some people that have bought like a dozen ps5s and
0: are selling them for a thousand dollars well the other funny thing is I've heard on a podcast, they were talking about how one guy had like pre-ordered like three PS5s from different websites, not because he wa- he's going to sell any of them, but because he's not sure if randomly Best Buy will go, sorry, turns out we didn't have it, which sometimes happens, at least on Amazon. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I mean, even then it's not perfect and it's really annoying. I'm sure there's plenty of people who have pre-ordered... You know, especially if you're like someone who does a gaming podcast like us, it's like, well, we want to get one of these new consoles around launch because it's our job to talk about it. And so like, if I get a chance to pre-order multiple of one device, I'm going to do it just because I don't know if I'm going to get any of them. I don't know if they'll cancel it or they'll be, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I've been trying to,
2: it's hard to get a PS5. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully I'll be able to get one, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. I guess what I would say though, is if we do end up getting PS5s at launch, it's, Mo- it's at least half for the channel cuz I don't need it right away.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean the way I think about it is I'll probably buy it be- wanna get it before it drops below
0: $500 so I might as well try right. to get it whenever I can. Yeah, I mean uh, I mean and I guess VI pass any other part of your question to answer like would be when is demand going to be better? You know, I I've talked to people about this. I'm going to have hopefully someone on Broken Silicon within a few weeks who works for a major Laptop OEM, and we'll talk about these things. um, That, you know, the fact is, COVID is causing a lot of this. There's less flights. You have to understand when you have people flying more often, it's easier to just say, hey, throw this FedEx box in that plane. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas right now, with there being like a fourth as many flights, they just have to charter them now instead of, oh, that's leaving here with that much cargo and they have 10% more room oh, let's just throw on that Amazon package and we'll get it there early. That's not really happening anymore. And that's why prices are up more and there's all these logistics problems. So when will this, when will there be less uncertainty? I mean, you know, again, like I said earlier in the podcast, I checked and it seems like CPU prices, SSC prices are up versus a few, you know, last year and some, depending on how you look at it, you know, spring when we're Past having a vaccine (laughs) and people are flying again. So, probably not even spring, frankly. Summer next year is when things will probably get better. Maybe. (laughs) I would, I personally would bet late next year. Uh, Don't say that, Dan. Okay. All right. I won't say that, but I do think that, and I did say it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dan, that's all of the stories. That's all of the reader mails. That's all of the ranting to be done by me and you today. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about? Any. Final things to discuss from this week? Two weeks? Um, no, I don't think so. Well, then I think this is, as usual, gone on long enough. <laughs> I hope We <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed us. Please do remember that this is predominantly fan-supported on Patreon. We couldn't do it without the stable income of the patrons. If you do support us on Patreon, depending on the tier, you get exclusive podcasts. I mean, every other week, sometimes every week, depending on the month, you know, whether it's Flyover states die shrink which is the supplemental broken silicon podcast or hits and gems and uh, you do get broken silicon early and ad free every week there so remember that support us if you have the extra money if you don't we appreciate you hitchhikers just uh when you jump in the van the free feeds tell them tell your friends in the van to uh also subscribe to us it really does help all right well good up <laughs> good up Yeah. (laughs) All right. Good night. Thanks for listening, everyone. The following podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan. Audio editing by Gerard Cortez and select technical editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information, including how to get a hold of us, at www.moorslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead, P.O. Box 10468, Peoria, Illinois, 61612. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listened to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon Die Shrink and Loose Ends, and of course, the Moore's Law is Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. And at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Matthew McMullen, Tello, Steen, Benny Berlin, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, I Love You, Lynn and Jims, Bollocks, Joshua Albin, Muhammad Al-Khawari, Frederick Lau, James Crass, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harrod, Brad Medlin, Phil S., Courtney Elliott, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, CFS, Chrysantine, Night Rogue 77, The Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kilo, Fatboy Diesel, Daniel Hyde, D. Kunky, Christoph Novak, Jack O'Neill, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Juan Garcia, V.I. Past, Sadler Settler, Isaiah Gossner, Lethros, Talos, Hey There's a Kitty, Greg T. Wanchik, Jacob Barber, X.O.T., Hector Santana, Matthew Lane, Joe McMorrow, Jan Rauner, Robert Ducks, A. Full, Allie Robertson, Eric Jackson, Jonathan, Job, Evan Dingle, Dominic Cock, Stefan, Original Ross, George Danforth, Sam MacArthur, Total Silo, Sol Connor Michael Casa Andrew S, Blake, Aaron Keith, Carrie Baldino, Endless Loggins, Tom Filippo Justice Brennan, Ivan K, Trevor Powers, Sayonara, Alenia, Joshua Stavenes, Daniel Nishbal Franco Frederic Hardware Numbers, Alex Carastillo, Dark Rain 2049, Leighton Perry, Mac, Carlos Valdez, Carnivore Bear, Macdo 226, Saber Z Birds, Licky, Matten Porcheggi. David Cowden, Ricky Tam, Renadin, Patrick J.S., Justin Staples, Freddie Canoas Jr., Christopher Foster, Kiwi Phil, Joachim Hagen, Sarah Light, Anthony Gareffa, Matthew Griffin, Alex, Joseph Loria, Calm Marco, Deke, Cheesy Ramen, Raul Abeneni, Master Andy Wan, Jake Dude 23 Brian Riggleman, Maxime Bratukin, Ryan Denniskew, Dave McCoy, Valco Maleb, Messiers, Paul Bogdan, Morton Spenson, Andrew, Thomas Somers, Maurice Courtois, Matthew J. Link, Moes from Oz, Mai Sharona, Derek File, Roman, Jacob Stankowetsy, Jack Pym, Austin Tanis, JBG, Stefan Hart, Daniel T. Holtzclaw, Charles Antoine Foteau, Peter Moore, Chris Licata, Justin Thomas, Sam Miller, James Kitchens, Kevin Chen, Shakir, And Dean Dispotovsky. And of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.